What's up, guys? John Sintas here, Cutter Nation podcast number 90. I'm pumped. It's everybody's favorite number from the beginning, and then it goes from there. Um, But first, please go rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us get our channel going. We've we've been growing a lot. We've been slowing down a little bit because of good things. We were able to get back into the gym. I want to let everybody know Monday will be our first day of open for business. So you guys who follow us on the gram and know that we overstory everything, get ready for that. So, and then I'll also be making an announcement soon about how you will be able to watch our training a little bit easier. So stay tuned for that kind of stuff. Also, don't forget to snag a hat and we got some awesome shirts on there too on the website available at cutternation.net. But our guy, it's fun shirt Friday. It is fun shirt Friday. Yes. I went, I went American today. That's what I went. I went with the American oh, cutter. Nation. Yes. Good. Ooh, hey. Marvel. The yeah, Marvel cool. Target sweater, <laughs> but we got we got the real underneath. You gotta have. Oh, what oh my really god, he's repping. He's repping. He's hey, repping. everybody, up, this guys? is this is Alex Rojas for number two on the podcast, aka Ro. What's going on, everybody? I'm very glad I'm here on number ninety, which I was thinking about yesterday because I was just like we were about to talk uh, offline, talking about throwing a little bit. I never touched ninety like that I ever saw. But I hit like 89.6 a couple times, you know, but I never saw the nine zero number. I'm going for it. Like I, I had a, a premonition yesterday. I was like, why don't you just figure out how to throw gas? I mean, you're not playing anymore. Just let's do it. So I'm going to start start throwing again. Hopefully I can just hit 90. I think I will. I, dude, I bet I went I went like torn. You, I still my shoulder just feels like it rips off most of the time because I don't ever try to like fix it. But I still am 88, and I have been I'm, – I'm throwing harder now than I did in college. Easy. It's not close. Yeah. Just because, uh, awesome. you know – I've been in the 90s. I guess I'll you? be that guy to throw it out there, you know. Bro, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I catch that. I uh, catch yeah. it. That's no problem. Yeah, no. Doing it? No, not me. I'm sure you that's did. You just – you know, you if, you if you were to 89, like one of the things that we talk about is – how the, those throws that that feel really good that there's no radar gun right there's yeah. there's a lack of feel there for for what happens and it's funny um, yesterday the the Olympic weightlifting coach came over to us and was asking us about how we adapt technology with our athletes and he had assumed that we had always had it like that and I said because he just got a VVT system to measure velocity of the bar for you know as it goes up and he's noticing yeah. that his his athletes don't necessarily enjoy that he, he's like mm. they, they don't know how to stay at the right pace and right. i said oh yeah we have the same problem it's about teaching kids to understand you know what a 20 percent day is and a 50 percent day like you don't have to throw hard all the time and matter of fact no. when you're using and doing movement right you, you really want to practice it at a lower speed so you can feel the you know the exact distances and and where things feel good and and you can spin the ball more there's so many benefits of of like really just understanding and learning how to throttle back and and do that in, in multiple different ways you'll have to connect with this guy we had on the other day uh virgil vasquez is a minor league pitching coach at the twins what's up virgil? he was yeah dude um he what his big thing was uh tai chi yeah. I think. And, um, and then he like, so he like was playing, went off and did a bunch of martial arts and just like weird uh, off the, yeah, just different things. And then came back into baseball. Well, I don't know that he ever like went away from it, but it, it was, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. coming from that standpoint. And then, um, 
yeah, you're, you're, what, what are you thinking? So, well, first thing that I hear is, number one, I'm so glad to, to be involved with guys that understand pitching so much because I had such a giant relationship with pitchers, like, my whole fucking life. <laughs> my whole life. Since I was 13 years old, I was pretty much every day behind the plate. So to, like, actually hear people talk about pitching from a different sense, I just like hearing you guys talk. Uh, but from a Tai Chi standpoint, I think about – I brought these because I'm probably going to talk about these suckers today when I think about the ropes and I think about moving and your energy idea. Like, knowing how to move your energy from literally your your pivot point to your opposite shoulder in a soft positioning, that's play. You know, that's where the body learns a lot. So that's interesting. I would like to to hear how he relays that to people. That's that's hard. To, like, Tai Chi is not for everybody. Like, there are a lot of people that just want to put on, you know, Metallica on the weight room and just put 415 on the, on the deadlift bar and just pound it away. <laughs> then there's guys like me that, you know, we benefit from that. So that's interesting. That's super interesting. Yeah, so, well, it was just the idea that he talked about um, how really, really slowing it down, like really <sighs> slow is so helpful. <sighs> and I used to do this as a young coach. Um, you know, I know that I was a, uh, a young coach because I, like, didn't realize when I was doing smart things. <laughs> um, so I would slow people down. And the best argument I had, because he shared the same exact thing, is you do exactly what you do. You show mm -hmm. us almost exactly what you do. And, in, like the cases, and in the cases that it's not literal, then it's they, they think that the arm does this. Like they'll show you that, and 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 I actually wasn't doing this as a pitching guy. This was me in in the uh, hitting, teaching hitting lessons. Like, show me the slowest swing you possibly can, and their barrel would be in the zone for like a half a second on the inside mm -hmm. corner, mm -hmm. and they're like, Don't, "Didn't you didn't did you not realize that that isn't hitting anything? You know what are you thinking about?" And and it just it it shows you where you should be having the conversation with the kid right away. Do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. th then there's other, the other part is some of them don't do it. What do you mean? Mm. What? Slow it down that slow. And they like, I'm like, yeah, I want you to fake a throw right now as slow motion as possible. And they'll throw the ball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and so it just informs you. It's not, and you can, and you have to hold back that, right? You have to quit being surprised that kids are going to just do ridiculous things out of nowhere. But um, 100%. anyway. That, anyway, that's one thing that I look so to go off like what you talk about, do what you do. One of my favorite hitting drills is called a 10 second swing. It's where from your launch position, we call it two piece at TPC foot down, hands back. You know, you've done your 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 load, your stride. You're about to start rotation. That's where I would take a 10 second swing. And I would just try to feel what my bat path is doing as I'm rotating. And the year that I figured that out, my swing just went boof. Power went up, consistency went up, my ability to check swings, which I think is a very underappreciated tool. The better you get at baseball, guys start throwing sliders that don't make sense. They throw change-ups that are Bugs Bunny. They boom. If you can't stop yourself, you're done. So you have to have that control. And I think that's one thing that's underutilized. Like you hear this in high school all the time. Swing or don't swing, don't check swing. It's like, no, that's a good tool to have. Like, imagine a pump fake throw. Imagine telling a kid, throw it or don't throw it. Well, pump fake can work every now and then, you know? So, like, why not have that in your toolbox? So, 
that 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 really resonates with me, man. Slow motion drills are huge. Unless you're in a different country and yes, the Latins go after everything. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. One of the things that I heard from a, a Dominican cat, he was actually an umpire that that he was in uh, the Dominican for a while. I said, you don't walk off the island. That's exactly what I was going to say. You don't walk off the island, man. You don't walk off. Yeah, for sure. Hell no. Well, that's Mike why they hit, they, they grow up seeing island. just banging sliders. That's the oh, whole, from man. the from four years old. They're just <sighs> kids are just going ah. You know? Yeah, those batillas, like those yeah. little tiny little like yeah little carton jugs. Yeah, uh huh. Like uh -huh, uh -huh. They make those things spin, and you just got like the little four year old just smashing. Like that's incredible, incredible. So so let's start with my question that I had. Because I'm gonna shut up and listen to you guys talk, but I got I gotta speak for about three minutes here. So I am currently trying to learn more about throwing, and I'm a hitter, right? I wasn't ever a thrower; I was a catcher. I dealt with guys throwing. It was more conceptual, right? In terms of like throwing, like hey, try it here, try it here. You know, not not necessarily like you guys. But when I see guys throw hard, I'm not talking about pitching. I'm talking about a dude takes a five-ounce baseball and heaves it. I see this moving like crazy. So to give you like a martial arts perspective, in jiu-jitsu, you look at the body as like a lever system, right? If I control your head positioning, I'm going to control your ability to move, right? So if I'm grabbing your head and pulling it down, your ability to like get upright and get out of the situation is diminished, right? But from the other standpoint, if I'm offensive and I'm controlling you with my head position, like if your head's here and I'm pushing you there, you're going that way. That, that's just what's going to happen. That's how wrestling works. So then, Araldis Chapman, boof, jacked. But then you have your Dono Ventura, 140 pounds soaking wet with five-pound cleats on. And they throw the same velocity. Their movements are, are very similar in my, in my very amateur eyes. But I want to know, what do you guys think the head does in the throwing process? Because when it comes from a movement standpoint, like I'm not going to get up and just start moving because I don't, I don't have the headphones to do that. But if you were to like throw your head, your body follows. So when I see guys throwing upwards of 95 plus, my first thing is what's their head doing? So I want to know what you guys think of that. Cast, you want me to go? Uh, yeah, okay. once you go, I'm going to so, take the uh, I've negative got my ducking approach, Cass. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, one of the take first things Take the positive, I'll heard... take the negative, Cass. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, so one of the first things that I heard John say was um, don't throw with your face. Um, so I think, the, I think the first thing that we're going to for sure agree on is you need to control it. You need to know what it's doing. And then, it, and then it's just dictating, like, what do you think – allows it to do that. And if you only focus on that, does everything else, you know, kind of, you know, uh, position itself accordingly. And it's really interesting. So we have, we had the pitching nerd on um, a couple, what back, I don't know, 10, 10 episodes ago, something like that. And, and I continue to talk to him. I have a conversation with him scheduled on Sunday and he's, his is the foot. Everything is about the foot. Control the foot and you will control everything else. Um, so I, I, that's where my, my head's going, no pun intended. Um, right. but, but then also I'm actually been really leaning into, uh, WEC. Um, yeah. you know, I went, I went down to their place. Uh, this was, gosh, this was probably close to like January and just showed up on a Wednesday. 
Oh, he got a phone call. Yeah, he got a phone call. He's. We can hear you. No, he's probably going to jump in and out. I'll I'll jump in real quick while while he's on the Zoom. So so what he was talking about was um yeah I, I, there's there's a weird thing that happens in, in throwing and and the face exposes some things right and so mm-hmm. we know if the head actually gets too far ahead of the shoulder it creates drag um when when guys are going in and so you can feel that where there's this weird disconnect like if you just lean forward with your face and reach your arm back you'll feel tension in the side of your shoulder right oh, and yeah. so oh, if there's yeah. if there's tension inside of the shoulder there's immediate drag weakness and loss of control and Got so it. there's a shoulder position of neutral because your shoulder can go back neutral yep. and forward right yep. well if you go forward that's closed and pinched if you go back too far that's open and too far so you're trying to stay in this like weird position of, of where the elbow and the and the uh sh- the shoulder are in line as it goes into layback right and so the head positioning if you duck you lose thoracic extension right yep. if you extend up you actually get more so yep. there's this weird thing. Um, Cass has been bringing up the WEC stuff a lot, and I really like the idea of like your head position in this balanced linear plane as you're going sideways towards your target. And then when you rotate, it's the end of a tether ball, you know, uh, uh, throw or a fidget spinner. Um, and as long as that head position can stay in that balanced spot, then it's going to help it rotate around that axis. Whoa, I'm ahead. Hundred percent. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Go ahead. Uh, Okay. Um, So when I went down to WEC, it was Marlon Bird was there also. And he says he he can't hear you. Okay. Well, I mean, let. uh, I do like his shirt, though. Can you kick me out? It's a great shirt. It's, yeah, he's got some. Kick me out, John. Yeah. Try it again. I still can't hear you, my friend. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'll go back to so that for me, that's a huge thing. And you can actually feel that position a little bit further and safer and teach a kid not to throw. So, like I said, if you duck the chin, we know that it does some stuff to a little bit to the to the neck, the cervix, and the and the thoracic, right? And then if the arm goes into layback, and most kids to throw literally headbang right when the arm goes into layback. So it's got two different directions going in. It just puts massive stress on the arm. Huh. How about now? Oh, golden. John? Yep, we're good. Okay. Yeah, so the, the facial thing, that's, that was, um, so that's probably the biggest thing that I look for is um, there is too much verbiage in the world that exists that suggests that that's what should happen right like forward trunk forward trunk tilt should never ever ever be something that a player is trying to achieve um terrible way to think about throwing in my opinion so anyway um going back to the wedding sorry that we took so long to get there i'm in airplane mode weston germain of mill city throwing was calling me he's doing brilliant things with the modus sleeve so sorry i missed his call but so the verticalization, that, that word just blew my brain up um, when I thought about taking everything down into the left foot. So what I have been saying recently is like, you can't go left with your head, but you can go down with your head. And then I just want to maintain vision because the amount of kids that do not keep their eyes on what they're doing when they're throwing, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah. And, 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 and this is not just our facility. You see this all across the country. Um, and that is not primal. You would never do that if it was life and death. Mm. And, and I think it's really important to think about this as life and death. Mm. So um, it, really the head affects, position, it really affects hand-eye coordination too. We, we see it all the time because there's a fear thing, right? When, when kids are throwing, if they, if they don't keep eye contact at release, most of the time they look right at their hand and they're trying to see where the ball's being released and the ball normally okay. runs up and in on that. I'm going to, I'm going to actually, we haven't done this publicly. So here you go, John. Oh, we're, we're at this point. Okay. So I don't think that's what's happening at all. Okay. I think that the head is there because everything is in slow the fuck down mode. Okay. And so when the trunk is early, the whole entire front side is going to do things like this to compensate. It's not doing that to see. Okay. That's doing that because that's how the head, the whole thing has to move to get the hand to where it needs to be to have a projectile that would even be close to the strike zone. David Ardsma did this, right? Like, I just don't think, okay, what I'm trying to make the argument, John, is there's no fucking way it's conscious. There's no way it's conscious. There's no way that that part of the throw could be like, oh yeah, boom, look at my hand. But I will say this, I love that you bring up fear because it's definitely an anxiety thing. It's definitely a fear thing. So I think you're right, and and I don't know that anybody's as true as that. Like people don't say that enough, and but then it's the balance, right? So balance is why the anxiety is being created. The imbalance, the lack of timing, is why that's happening. So mm. I um I, I'm I will say this, John, in your defense, their face should not be looking, should not be over there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and my only critique of it is the way that it comes off to the athlete as if they could have tried to do that in their head, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to just saying, hey, your eyes can't be anywhere besides there. Um, and, and then I'll counter my thing and then I'll shut up. At the same time, when you embarrass somebody just enough, they might be more willing to not do that stupid thing that they were doing. And, and I will say like, um, we have a player, John, that we've been doing remote training and that is now in a, was, has been training with us already on the one-to-ones like, and he is definitely do not looking at it. We actually have two guys right now. So did I, did I cover all sides? Yeah. See, that's funny. When you, when you said fear, my first thought is like, yeah, I mean, they're afraid to hit. That's one thing that I've learned in like shooting like guns, archery, it isn't afraid to miss. It's afraid to hit. Like a lot of people are afraid to hit the target. It's interesting. Like it's such an interesting mental thing where it's like you're you're so caught up in the end goal of achieving hitting the target that you actually are afraid of hitting it because you're not in your process. Yes. Does that make sense? 100%. So like that's where I would think the fear would rise. Because the person has no idea what's happening here. They're like, this dude's oh. going to take me deep. This dude's going to take me deep. You know, you're already gone. You haven't even thought about the slider, the location, John, or anything. John, have you shot a gun? Yes, I have. Have you shot like a shotgun? Yeah. Oh, my God. I've never thought of that role. Like the, the Yeah, I, I've done skeet the, shooting. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to like, because I shoot archery every day. Every day. Okay. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I would rather spar MMA daily than to try to shoot my bow every day to make money. 
that shit is hard, dude. Like, you're looking at a hole this big, okay, with one eye. It's on your nose. You're pulling everything like this. You're trying to stay balanced. You're trying to breathe. And you have to use your muscles to activate it. It's the most stressful thing ever. And it's 10 yards away, 20 yards away. It's unbelievably stressful. But when you go through target panic, which is something where, like, imagine you're pitching, right? And you start aiming at the target, but you start compensating your delivery because you're like, well, I keep missing to the right-handed side, so I'm going to pull myself open to miss to the outside. Does that make sense? Like, you start Mm -hmm. compensating your ability because you're afraid of hitting through the right process because either you're scared of going through the process, that's one thing, or you're scared that the outcome will not be what it's supposed to be even if you dive into the process. It's a, it's a weird sword because you got to live right in the middle of that where it's fucking. Like, you got to be right in the middle of that. My favorite pitching quote of all time, once it leaves your hand, fuck it. Like, once it leaves your hand, it's got to go because if you're focusing on is it spinning the right way, is it making the right location, is it making the batter look at it, it, it you can't measure and observe at the same time. you got to be one or the other. That's just like common science, right? So the first thing when you said that, that kid's going to miss here, I was like, yeah, because he's trying to watch what he's doing. He's going to suck. Like you can't, you can't try to hit a target and look at what you're doing. It's hard to do. So that's Did you say standpoint. common <sighs> science? Is that an original thought? I don't know. I don't common know. science. It, it, I want to. I want to counter. It's nine this. in the morning. It's I want to counter this. Yeah, okay. Well, for the for the record, for the record, John, he is like he's no, saying I know. you need no. to do both. For yeah. sure, I know. I know he is. I know he is. I just want to explain it how we talk yeah. about it because they're, they're right. This is right. this is to me. This is it. So this is what I tell most of our kids when they come in. I have a Sonic the Hedgehog floating ring that is outside my arm, and it is a part of a path of my arm path when I go through. And if I can use that as my basis of measure, where if I hit my release point where my arm goes to full extension and the ball goes exactly where I want, now I can create a relationship with where the ball goes and where my hand is. And if I, like I if I miss high on my arcing of my arm, I was early. If I miss low, I was late. I either went through it. If I was outside it, I was here. If I was inside it, it was here. So that being said, if you could teach people from the beginning to evaluate the throw from the beginning, your catch play can significantly get better of hitting people on the chest. It's just how you have to think about, just like what you said, the process of what you feel and stay inside that idea. Most of the games that I've um, pitched and I, and I feel like I don't, I don't really, wasn't really thinking very much. Like I wasn't thinking about the batter because that's where I knew where this space was. That was the thing. So I'm just ripping through this Sonic the Hedgehog ring one after another. And, and my percentage of doing that at high velocity all game just gets better and better as the easier as I do it, the more success mm-hmm. that I have. So I like the, the comfort and anxiety are, are completely curbed because you just the flow stage is just being comfortable and, and executing what your brain says it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of this um, with like when when we throw a bullpen, like John and I, very similar in how we prepare. And when we're, th- I'm not throwing a bullpen to throw a location. Like if I go, if I'm trying to throw arm side, like anywhere arm side, great by me. Anywhere glove side, great by me. I'm just trying to make sure that I have a general sense of that. I'm just looking for my timing. My whole God damn it. That's a good way to think about it. My whole entire way, my whole entire pregame is looking for my timing. And I was having a conversation with Taylor. um, Oh my gosh. All of Taylor Ahern 
uh, Taylor Ahorn. Um, <laughs> I was having a conversation with Taylor yesterday about this, and Taylor threw a uh, live against some guys yesterday and in a private thing and um, with a bunch of pro guys. And he his timing in his game of catch with me was off immediately, and he didn't know what to do. And, and I just had a conversation afterwards. I go, listen, you're going to go out there and you're going to do what you need to do to get these guys out. And he did fine. Um, but he didn't have his stuff the whole entire time. But I said, listen, you have to be spending this time. He was waiting for a catch partner. John was supposed to play catch with him. I ended up that time. It's my the, fault. You, no, the but, 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 but the point is, is like, it doesn't matter if you have 45 minutes or 55 minutes or 20 minutes, like whatever time you have, you're just constantly, how am I, where's my timing? Where is my feel? What is my body feeling like right now? You know, and that's what took me to the level where I would show up to games. I'm like, no, no hits. I do not want to give up a hit today. And I would give up less than two hits in that mindset because I wasn't, you know, like it was, what is my body doing? I'm going to spend 90 minutes figuring out what it's going to do today. Um, I'm going to have to fight through all of this shoulder discomfort that I have. You know, there was, I literally had one summer where I was healthy and dominant. Um, and it was great. Best time of my life. But for most of the time I had to like decide to throw hard. And, and once I did, like you just, it's just a different level. So, and then the last part is um, to what you said about, I, I mean, you just punched me in the face with that fear thing because I am so scared to make a bad throw and a good throw at the same time. Right. So like, I actually know what my body can do. I know what I, I, you see it all the time, right? People undercommit to the movement. They're scared to actually do something dramatically different than what they've done mm -hmm. as if they would break. And then mm -hmm. the fear of that actually makes them do things that are really weird and could break you. Right. But if you just were like, okay, conceptualize the, the movement that you're trying to do. Like I even like the idea of doing this in a long toss situation. Cause I see kids doing this. So speaking of not looking and how dumb that is, try to not look and, and just be here, be neutral, right? Be looking at third base, be looking at first base for uh, lefties and just what happens when you just rip the ball from that position. Um, and, and how does your body want to move? And I, and I legitimately, so this kid literally once a week just came in and competed for the against the radar gun. And then his confidence got to the point where he wasn't scared about it. And then we could coach him. And this took like two months. And we literally didn't coach him besides like, hey, it's okay, right? It's not that big of a deal that you're not throwing the ball accurately or whatever it was. And, and he's to the point right now, I mean, dude, I just – <laughs> Oh man, he just came in and he is just so jacked up. He's got his mask on and he's ripping balls. And it's like, this is, this is a video. This kid loves video games. He's a nerd. And all of a sudden, like he has just fallen in love with throwing. And he, so this is what he learned how to do first. This is his progression. Okay. He first had the confidence to just like not be scared to throw from a farther distance. So it was first he, we had to keep him super close. Super close. Throw it as hard as you can and as close as you can to the target. Ball would go hit the top, hit the bottom, didn't matter. Okay. So what John calls this the level up game. If you can throw it in the box, you get to go backwards. Right. And um, so we got him to level up to a reasonable distance away. And then he's moving as fast as he can. And the aha moment for him was that if he waited, so he's still, I mean, he's still to this day brings his arms up too soon. And there's, you know, we can get into that too. But he got over the fear of like getting here way too soon. So he realized that he could wait with his upper half in like a run and gun situation 
until his foot hit the ground and he just spins like a top. But when he did it, he jumped like five miles an hour right away. I mean, he, wow. he crushed his, he crushed his PR and, and now it's learning how to, okay, this isn't the healthiest thing for you to do. It's not that it doesn't work, Parker. It's just like, it's really, really hard for you to maximize health and command and velocity simultaneously when you only spin on your, the axis of your spine, right? We don't get to tap in some, uh, into some of the, yeah, this is probably more your lane to be honest with you. Wow, so that's really um, cool. anyway, Parker, so, <laughs> Parker's one of the coolest kids we have because he, they just buy in and they just show up and it's nothing fancy. The kid just loves to throw. So Dude, I like that progression. That's really cool. Yeah, we do. It's uh, so simple. A lot of the stuff we, we go after is non-mechanical stuff on young guys. And we, we try Dude, to that's a big emotional pull, too. Like you said, like most of like fear is a big thing in sports. Like, sorry to cut you off, John, but like, no, you're good, bro. Dude, like talk about game of catch. Dude, fear is, is a huge thing. I remember uh, first time I ever caught like a college guy I was like 14 or 15. And I remember this dude was like a Juco guy. And I thought he was like a man. He was like 20. <laughs> but I was like, I'm like 14. I was like, oh, shit. This dude's on like 92, a little from the side with a little run. And I was catching. And I, I just remember thinking, I was just like, dude, I can't believe one day I'm going to have to hit off these guys. Like, I was so scared. And it affected how I caught. I was, I was like thinking about a potential reality of me hitting that wasn't happening. Right? So the idea of fear and how much it can control you. And then I get older, then I'm at driveline catching 97 and I have like two feet of room and I'm just back here like, let's get it. You know, so yeah. it's crazy how like that works. Yeah. Like that's bananas to me. Like I thought about the other day, like how ballsy catchers really are for like some of the stuff that they do. And it, it's a, it's a position that breeds fear out of you, but fear is still there all the time. It like it teaches you how to shout deal out, with the fear. Shout out to Brady Jocelyn who just wears a ton, yeah, a ton of baseballs. Dude, if on you're a, a daily bullpen basis. catcher right. and you're catching guys that are throwing nines and they're spiking balls, dude, my hat is so far off to you. Like, that's that's the crazy yes. thing about like Vance throwing. Like we've seen him throw so much with with Brady in the gym and his control and what he's doing with his movement is just crazy. But Brady talks about all the time. It's like I, it's so crazy how much I don't have to move. Like anything. dude, that's the best. That is seriously the best. Yeah. So, so I got to ask you, John, how do you come up with like a progression chart for, for that? Like, how did you come up with like, okay, I want you to try to hit the side of a barn. Okay. Now we're going to make it smaller. Okay. Now uh, we're going to make it smaller. So I've been doing this a while and I, a lot of my clientele for this, for some reason has really been on the younger side. And what I noticed was, what I really noticed from the beginning, nobody likes talking about mechanics. They don't want to get it explained to them, like how to do it. They just want to do it, you know, when kids show up. And so to play into that, I wanted to turn it into a game. And so when I first started doing this, uh, the target that I had was just like a vinyl with a white box. And I was like, okay, this is a very easy tool of like, yes and no. That's what I saw, a very binary situation. And so what I noticed was, when we had kids think mechanical or sometimes when they think about their hand or their body movements, the accuracy was just brutal. It was terrible. Right. And so what I, what I decided was like, 
there is a way to throw the ball as hard as you can where you want, but that's a learned skill. Like max yeah. effort release points and max effort location are, it's hard to do, but it's not impossible. Like people mm-hmm. feel like, you know, people think that you can't, you know, there's there's a velocity command debate that to me is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, I, I just don't understand it, right? And and to this day, some of the best pitchers that I've ever seen that big league or not, it, I, when I watch them on TV and someone says they're smooth and I watch them in real life, I'm like, that guy ain't smooth. I've never seen a 95 plus smooth. There is acceleration to the point that it looks, it doesn't even have to look her, herky-jerky, but it looks like a drag car. And it could be his back leg drive. It could be his hand speed. It could be his shoulder rotation speed. There could be a lot of different things. And that's what makes this throwing idea so different. And so the measuring of it, once I saw the relationship of when a kid shuffle fires, does a double shuffle and throws it as hard as he can, there's something that goes off, right? And that's really just the outfield throw in the game. So I started with that and being like, well, I like to shuffle fire when I long toss. That's fun it's probably a fun thing to do and throwing the ball as far as i can in a long toss or getting on the mound and throwing the ball as hard as i can is my most favorite thing to do especially since i broke my elbow thrown so making kids understand that that's okay from the beginning right that the location will come but you just have to you have to just keep working on it it's a skill right and it's the cone of error that you're bringing in and in and in so you know we have other games that we do with them too like we have one it's called four wall and you have to the box we have at the gym right now is is a is a line box right and you have to hit one of your pitches whatever it is it has to hit our all four walls and you're competing against another person so mm-hmm. w- once i realized that the, the way you conquer this anxiety is is being able to compete in and do it at the same time the learned skills went up tremendously faster so that's where we try to have everything a game we try to gamify everything because then you can actually show them what their competitive motions are like with our television rap soto you know pitch logic ball whatever you need and and the more that you can merge that relationship of actually what's happening when you're facing a guy like bullpens are easy and they're boring i hate them I hate bullpens, but you have to do it, right? There's a skill that goes into it. I would much rather, just like you would much rather, go out, see a dude in the box, and be like, let's mess him up. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right? But that idea of one-on-one right there is not allowed in most spaces of baseball. You have to practice the game, right? You need to go in the cage and hit off the tee and do thousands david ortiz took 400 reps off the tee before he went to a game i remember trying to do that in high school and be like my hands are bleeding what are we doing like i don't understand this i'm hitting a ball off the tee every time that doesn't even help me get ready for the ball coming at me like those are weird thoughts that i had in high school that i was like this doesn't make sense at all it's not even the game we're not playing t-ball how dare you think differently how dare you think i know well, and, and as my suspicions arise, you, you get to, you, I play in a foreign country like Mexico. They don't even have tees. It's all front toss. It's literally front and side toss. They don't have tees. Gangster. Gangster. Right? And it's some weird, like, metal rectangle thing that's like, who made this? Right? And then, like, old fishing net is what is what the net is. Right? You know? And, and But there's a big leaguer, from, and he's just ripping. 
this front yeah. angle toss, just wham. I'm like, yeah, that's Adrian Gonzalez, man. I don't know yeah. how much he worked that guy did, but that dude's one of the best hitters I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, and that's I guarantee you, knowing he's from here, San Diego slash Tijuana, that's exactly the same thing. It, that's it's how they okay. grow. They didn't grow up on the tee. Can I get this? You, hold no. on, before before, because this is one thing that both of you guys will probably resonate with. So I'm a big I'm a big uh, military guy. My dad was a Marine. I, I'm not like a like a diehard like crew cut all the time, but I like the ideals that they have. One of my favorite things that I ever heard come out of a Marine's mouth was, "Mental weakness is a sign of a lack of physical preparedness." And when you were talking about that Sonic the Hedgehog thing, I was like, and you talked about your confidence getting better. I was like, because he's physically preparing himself. He understands like, hey, when I do this and I get here, like you're preparing your brain, your brain, your brain. And then when you get out there, that flow state, you're just like, as long as I'm here, I'm good. Yeah. You know? So it's really cool to see how you overcome that. That's interesting. To, to me, that quote resonates a lot because, again, I'm a martial artist. Like it's not always about like who's got – you know, the tougher fighter. Sometimes it's like, who's more conditioned, you know? Cause if you can be a little bit more conditioned and you can be breathing in the fourth round, you got a shot if the other guy can't. Right. Cause that's that mental preparedness. Like bitch, I've been running mountains every day for, you know, okay. like so, okay. so long. I got it. I got it. I got it. We did this yesterday with okay. Taylor. Taylor seemed tired. We, he actually mentioned it towards the end of his live at bat thing. Oh, that's a big I one. changed his brain and put him in a situation, and he loved it. He actually talked about it later. I saw that the legs were good. He was doing the head shake, bad body language. And I go, hey, listen, go here with me. Eighth inning, no outs. You're tired. You're 95 pitches in. This is exactly what it feels like. Do everything you can mm-hmm. to strike someone out. It, you do not have to throw a fastball. There are no rules. If you can't locate your fastball, your cutter, bang it. Throw five changeups in a row. It doesn't matter. Finish the inning. He ends up going back, finding it right away. Gets out of the inning, right? Goes th- and then and then I and then he breathes and I go, okay. You want to finish the ninth? The ninth is the reward. Can you go all nine and finish it? And he's like immediately was like, oh, okay. It's I, I every time I throw, even whether it's amateur or whatever, I'm trying to go nine. And it started with this weird. I'm sure my wife would love me hear me say this only child syndrome because I got tired <laughs> of sharing the baseball. Every time this guy would come in behind me, we'd lose the game. Yeah. I hate losing. Just give, just I'll throw 180 pitches. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, dude, I'll do it. Throw my arm out. Let's. I just want to. I just want to win the game. Let's win the game. Dude, oh, my last thank you for that game, connection. My last yeah. baseball game was at the California Winter League. We were winning four to nothing against the team that had gone like undefeated the whole time. We were smacking them. The coach was trying to be a nice guy, and in the fifth inning, he let the reserves into the game because we had a four nothing lead. Guess who lost nine to four? Of course. Lost the championship game. We were beating the best team. And at the our first practice, we all kind of looked at each other. We're like, we're going to win this whole fucking thing. Like, yeah. we all just looked at each other. We're like, we're going to win it. Dude, being like, I was behind the plate. And I remember looking at the coach. I was like, how dare you take us out? Like, I was like so upset. I was like, my last at bat, I hit a line drive to the right field warning track. And you're going to take me out? Like, I just threw a guy out. You got this guy. He's up there. He's got five strikeouts and four innings, and he's a lefty throwing 82. Like, come on. We're dicing these dudes up. But, I have a, you know, I have like, a theory. Uh, I, you just brought something to my brain here. Um, have you ever heard of uh, 
Um, dude, there's a weird quarterback thing that happens in the NFL, and it's like total control. It's that idea. I heard Brett Favre say it a long time ago, and he talks about he will always take the final snap. Nobody else will. You will not put the backup in. This is my game. I'm going to finish the game, like right? And I think that there's a strategy to that as far as like career-wise, right? Because if like if you're that you know you know prevalent about the idea of what you're trying to do and how you're trying to win, it really says a lot. But also like you're just keeping the other dudes off the field, right? Like, yeah. I, you know, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Rod- I want to say Aaron Rodgers in that like six year span that he sat behind him or something like that. I want to say he only or four. Yeah. I, I don't remember how many reps that he got, but I want to say it was under 100 or something like that. Well, there's no way and, he got 100 reps. There's no way yeah. that guy got 100 reps. I, but I remember someone mentioning that right there. But but thinking about that same thing as a pitcher, right? Like you look at the, the like I always keep yeah. going to the Latin community because I just love how they go about the game of pitching where it's like they don't care about a pitch count, they don't, they're, they're trying to win they're trying to win the pitch to win the at bat to win the inning to win the game like the whole time to win their life to win yeah their exactly life. yeah to win off the island mm-hmm. you know yeah. like that's so. the big discrepancy in the states like a lot of us just have the idea of like hey uh i've got a, a mom and dad that can you know afford to you know give me clothes and keep me fed and all this stuff i don't have to go out to the park for six hours and just ignore what my life is like and end up getting really good at a sport being able to take care of my family the whole time, you know? So it's like, it's the idea that, you know, adversity does breed some pretty interesting stuff, you know? Okay. So you mentioned the military. And so I think this is where we mess it up in America, right? If you look at the difference in the practice plans of what's going on in the Latin America, Latin communities and what's happening for, for American baseball, it is a military and it is a free play situation. There are no coaches in, in Latin America. We, If it's you versus me, this is all we're doing until the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go to the cage and have stations and go five, 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 five. It's just not going to happen, bro. Okay, I'm going to warm up over here. You're going to talk some shit. I'm going to go long toss, come back, and then I'm going to come after your ass. That's what's going to mm-hmm. happen. Okay. And that's how and it should be played. A hundred percent. Dude, it should be pickup basketball. That's what it should be all day. All day. I would be so jacked to go to practice. That's really what the NBA is. Like if you look at how those guys play, it's just they're straight up playing basketball. They're it's not, what it's what Jordan like, last dance you keep running all yeah, these bro. plays. It's like, bro, I'm gonna go out there and play. People were talking about how Jordan was an asshole and everything. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, he was another coach cracking the whip wow. because you forgot the first two years of his career, we got flipped on his head five times in the NBA finals against the Celtics. You know, I dropped hey, 66 Matt. and we still lose. Well, yeah, he's, pissed. he's pissed. What's up, Cass? Hey, hey, remember <laughs> when there was fighting in hockey? Still. <sighs> dude, hockey's the best for that. Could you like, have you guys ever watched hockey highlights of like them mic'd up? Oh, it's yeah. one of the most beautiful things ever. They're like at like yeah. right at the puck drop. They're like, if you want to have a go after the puck drop, yeah, all right, good luck, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, we're Could on the same imagine? page. Yeah, for sure. It's that BJJ, right? Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. It's like this. Hey, you just choked me out. Let's go. It, yeah. That's how it works. I was and dead for respect. six seconds. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I have <laughs> like, okay, Here, here's a good correlation. So there was talking about adjusting. My first role since COVID was a while ago, and I got tapped out by a purple belt, I think, 24 times. <laughs> like, dude, and I like, I was just like, what the hell is happening? And this is a very good purple belt. But the thing is, like, imagine, like, 
imagine just getting out with the slider every single time you is that triple a is purple belt triple a i don't know what double a double a thank you all right that helps well actually it's probably triple a a brown belt would be like like a serviceable mlb guy and hey double a plus are we good with double AA AA plus triple a they're the guy that goes back and forth okay you know, perfect. The guy Thank you. Yeah, yeah. but once you're a black belt that's like you've got your five years of service you've got your tenure and everything you know you're you're there you're always making millions you know you know a lot yeah dude when the next time that i rolled with him the amount of adjustments that i made the next time i got tapped out three times mm. that was three days i didn't roll in between but the main thing was I played differently. I didn't drill anything differently. I didn't do any practices. I played the game differently. Mm-hmm. That's how I succeeded. Strategy. I tr- strategy. But again, you can't strategize in drills. You have to strategize in the game. Because you can strategize all you want in drills until that guy decides, I'm going to do something you've never seen before. Yep. Like, we were playing Texas A&M Kingsville, and they did this weird first and third thing. And I don't know, like, I've never seen this before. Guys on first and third, right? One out, two outs, everybody else there is. The dude at first will walk backwards off of first base, right? And take their lead essentially like instead of going out, like here's the base, they'll go behind and then out. So they're like 10 feet behind the back. So the first baseman, what's he going to do? He's going to call for the pick. He goes. Third baseman's gone. You can strategize like all you want for first and third. But the first time you see that, you're going to be like, oh, what just happened? So it's like. If you're not playing the game with like all these crazy outcomes and you're just trying to drill specifics, those are good. But remember the old saying, like if you watch baseball long enough, you're going to see something different happen, right? So like why not always have different qualities? My favorite thing is UCLA, man. They practice like once a week and they scrimmage four or five times a week. They're they're always just playing. You wonder why they have a hundred and whatever national championships in all their sports. Maybe they, they get something a little differently. You know, but I, I agree. The militarized approach, dude, even with weightlifting, man, I have to catch myself in like strength and conditioning with people. Like today I have a client and I was going to have her do a recovery day. And then in my head, her and I had a conversation where she struggles with the ropes. And I was like, okay, your recovery day is going to be learning every single rope pattern until you leave the gym. Cause you've already got two down. You need the other two. You got four, two out of four. You're going to get the other two. And she's going to recover. She's going to get all the, the mechanics and her fascia and her, her bones are going to have a little bit more balance and less stress and tendons. But the main thing is I'm trying to get her to think how to move her body differently while there is an object that's, you know, obstructing, <clears throat> right? That's, that's a competition. Like you're competing with yourself when you're with the rope, because if you can't keep the rope rolling, you're like, what the hell am I doing? There's something wrong in my movement. And that's just how I see it. Like, I'll go on a little bit of a tangent. When you incorporate free play into strength and conditioning, whether that is like uh, tennis ball games, like like punching a tennis ball off the wall and just trying to, you know, like keep that hand-eye coordination or you're playing games like uh, with each other, like racing games, shuttle drills, you know, or like memory games. You have like four cones down at the end for conditioning. You put a tennis ball on a lacrosse ball. Right. And you say, first one to bring me back the tennis ball wins. You might uncover the lacrosse ball two times because you're not thinking, right? You're running back, you're like, shit, which one was it? So there's so many ways to condition the athlete through gaming and like yeah. you said, through competition, that I think guys have really lost that idea. And now it's like, okay, this is the warm-up that we do, then today is this yep. day, and then we do that. And I get caught in that because that's how you're taught and there is efficiency to it. 
but also there's giant detriment. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're removing the creativity from a human being to create desired outcomes. But in the game, it's a free space. It's, yeah. it's a completely free space. Like when you talked about Michael Jordan, like when I play pickup basketball, I'm not very good, but nobody knows each other. Nobody knows each other. And there can still be flow. You can still have two or three guys that know how to vibe off of each other, mm -hmm. right? Because they know how to play the game. But if you have these guys that are like, they're so stuck in their ways, they don't know how to flow. Those are the guys you don't want on your team. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing when it comes to baseball. Like if you have guys that don't know how to go with the flow, like when you had to go to that guy and be like, Hey, do this the eighth inning. You got to compete. You know, you got, mm -hmm. you got to do it. By the way, I was super fired up when you were giving that speech. Yeah. I was ready to put my gear on. And be like, All right, let's go. Let's well, go. I mean, that's Come just, that, that <laughs> is that put, you know, I got that from Alan Yeager uh, and, and some of there's, there's a book that I read. It was called uh, um 10 minute toughness. And they just talk about like, how to put yourself into in scenarios and you can start with using all five senses uh time of day you know there's there's so many different ways to do it. what color jersey you're wearing your spikes the ground you know like uh as pitchers the mound is almost a different color every time you go to it well depending on what mound it's almost a mystery unless you're the in the big leagues different too. right Fuck. you know so like you, you you show up you look at the mound on the road and you're like i don't know what this is you know, and I remember being in college and going out, like going to, a, you know, Alabama somewhere. Don't even know where I am. We get there and I and I'll first thing I do is I walk out, look at the mountain. And I remember my coach going, what are you doing? It's like every other mountain. I'm like, or it's not, literally so much not. different than every other mountain I've ever put my foot <laughs> yeah, on. I know we got a really awesome mountain back home, but this thing over here looks about, I don't know, 10 inches higher, bigger slope. I'm going to have to make some adjustments on the timing here to yeah. figure this out, you know? Yeah. So I want to give you guys a quick story about visualization. So I've, I've always had this in my head and I've never shared this. So when I was at Vincennes in Juco in Indiana, I was, so this was pretty cool about our coach before we left for winter break, he goes, all right, this is what I expect out of you this year. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. He was like, I need you to hit three thirty. I need you to hit at least 25 RBIs. Like he went down the stat line list of stuff that I had to do. And then I go home for six weeks and I'm like, shit man i better get my shit together right yeah and i was actually doing really well i was like hitting the shit out of the ball i had like a 3.5 i was really strong i was really conditioned i was in good shape but that's when i got into the mental game of baseball so the year before i had one of the worst experiences playing baseball i've ever had i had a coach that kicked us out of batting practice and the batting cage for the rest of the year. We weren't allowed to hit on our own. We weren't allowed to hit batting practice because he said we didn't deserve it. Only winners get to hit batting practice. That's then, cool. That's a nice see, human. Yeah, that's a great human being. If I saw him today, I would love to have a conversation with that motherfucker. It would Preach. not go well. Then I got one of those too. I got one of those he too. He had the C on his hat and it's green for Cuesta. I don't even care. I'll, I'll throw that out there. So the, the green on the sea, he made it color it in black because he goes, you guys are blacked out because you don't know how to win right now. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> then he also told us, you guys can't hit curveballs. I don't want to see anybody swinging at a curveball until they get to 0-2. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, sometimes I go up there like, hey, this dude's going to fucking hang one. And that's how you hit, right? So coming from that, I had to unfuck myself, Okay. And I go into my garage for the next four weeks every night. 
with Ken Revis's book, pretty much funneling in my routine. So what I did was I would start off, I did our dynamic warm-up in my garage, like that we would do as a team. Then I would take my swings. I was literally going through a pre-game up until the play. I even did the BP. I did the rounds. Hey, we're going to bunt. And I just visualized it, okay? Then I would start playing with myself. So our first our first game was down at, at West Georgia Juco, something like that. And by first at bat, this is what I did. I was like, all right, first at bat, you're facing a big lefty. He's going to come inside. Boom, you got beat. You got jammed. You were late. You kind of casted. Second at bat, you're going to get him. Second at bat, I come in there. I do my Ken Revisa release. Boom, take him deep. Then we went to Tennessee, and I did that one. And then we went to Alabama, and I did that one. So for four weeks, I literally rehearsed how I wanted my brain to react in these situations. Guess what the fuck happened in the first game? Bam. Facing a big lefty. <laughs> swear to God, swear on my life, dude. Facing a big lefty, first at bat, I get jammed, sawed off to the shortstop. Second at bat, I clear my head. I hit a line drive off the scoreboard. Dude, it went boom, and it popped back into the field, and I was so jazzed. I remember, like, yelling around the bases because I hadn't played in two or three years. Elbow injury, hip injury. This was my first game in a long time. I was fired up. I remember my coach goes, act like you've done it before. I was like, I have it, motherfucker. Yeah, my dude, I hate that. Oh, uh, like, I hate dude, that, like, dude. I hate act like you've been there before. Oh, so dude, I have it. I had it. So I never silly. hit a home run in college, dude. I never you're allowed. Hey, in college. hey, you're allowed to celebrate like every other sport. So for it. Right. Football, everybody's going to jump up, high yeah. five basketballs. Apparently baseball and golf. You just got to be like, no, no emotions. Yeah. Nobody's happy. Don't do the coolest Dude. thing in sports to hit a bomb. Don't do that. Goodness. So I was thinking about that the other day. I was watching Reese Hoskins take his sweet ass time jogging like 40 seconds around the bases. Yeah. But I was just thinking there's no cooler feeling that I've ever experienced like than hitting a ball over the fence and having to watch the whole defense watch you jog around. And you're just like this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Strike out the side mm-hmm. bases loaded. That's the only That's thing that I can sweet. do on the pitcher on the pitcher's no. side. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, hitting a bomb is the best feeling. I've said this. Before. No, for sure. I, I'm just I'm just gonna throw some ever. love for the pitchers. I know. I need to throw a PSA out, out real quick. Throw them out the inning for a uh, catcher. Strike yeah, them out, throw them out in the inning. Let's fucking go. With, with perfect Fire timing. Out. With perfect timing oh. to. <laughs> Uh, PSA real quick to everybody on your uh, your your first and third play. Uh, tornado pump fake is what will ruin that. Remember, the priority is the guy at third base. He'll go yeah. as soon as you tornado pump fake, and then you just fire it. It's okay. I got it. We covered a lot so, there in 15 yeah. minutes. We bounced around. <laughs> uh, hey, man, bro, we, we, I love it, man. We, I'm sure – I mean, we've, we've all this, – this these are the experiences that I think that well, in the gym we try to – give to our kids because we know they're struggling with these things. You know, we have so many kids that bring us their problems about their practice because we've educated them where I'm like, count your reps, count mm-hmm. the count the time that you're not doing anything. And they're mm-hmm. like, dude, I was sitting in left field for 45 minutes and I didn't even get a ball because I felt like I should have been thrown. As soon as I picked up a ball and tried to be thrown with my partner, what happened? Pay attention. You know, like mm-hmm. he's like, how am I supposed to get better at throwing? If I don't even like, it's not even okay for me to throw when I want to throw. I said, there you go. You throw on your own. Find it. Like, yeah. do it on your, like, get away from yeah. the situation. Exactly. You know? I think that there's like a big, um, and here's the other piece of my visualization. The next weekend, we went to Tennessee. I did the same thing. I went actually 0 for 3 with 3Ks, which I actually drilled into my head. I wanted to deal with that. 
First at bat of the next game, I hit a ball about 430 feet off this poor little lefty. He hung a changeup, and I just murdered that ball. But the thing is, like, and, and here's another concept. There was a skeet shooter that actually won Olympic gold, and his last year of training, he didn't shoot a gun. He just visualized. That's powerful. Oh, yeah. Like, Okay, so there's a study um, that is like uh, – 15 basketball players practice free throws for a week and then 15 basketball players visualize uh, it. And it's, it's almost identical results. Yeah, it's, dude, it's, cr- it's bizarre. It's fascinating. Um, yeah. And so I've been talking to kids about, like I just said this to Zamora the other, Justin Zamora the other day. I'm like, dude, you want to level up? Pay attention to how you walk as often as you possibly can. I'm not even going to tell you how Powerful. to walk. Right, powerful. Um, I, I, bro, you're my favorite. Before, you're my favorite, bro. This way, though, I want. I want. I've been trying to force this into the conversation, so I'm gonna no segue here. I want to go way backward to to anxiety, and I want to talk about yeah. how throwing is introduced to people because everybody knows the answer. What does everybody do for the first time? Let's go play catch, and that's the dumbest thing, dumbest thing you could possibly do if you actually wanted to learn how to play catch quickly. Right. So think about what we talked about with Parker. His progression was stand really close to something that tells you how fast you're throwing. That's the priority. Take the anxiety away of the target and then you will gain the confidence to be able to have a great game of catch. And Mm -hmm. let's also talk about why do they not have a good game of catch? It's not because the throw because I can play catch with a four year old. It's not hard to play catch with a four year old. It's uh, hard for a four-year-old to catch the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing here? And yeah. and so it's so simple to actually – it's not hard to think about how that's not appropriate, right? Nothing bad happens, but no. not much productive happens, right? Yeah. And so this can also be a great bonding thing for your, your moms and dads is like, hey, you don't actually have to have the headache of playing catch with your kid. Get a net – spend some money on a radar gun or a pitch logic ball and sit back and watch your kid become the best thrower on the block. And then it's going to be the, I mean, all all you have to do, Hey, what's your best today? What's your best tomorrow? Like, it's so simple. Um, so anyway, I get, I speaking get of that, that Alex, because, if you're going to try to learn to throw gas, like the pitch logic ball is probably the cheapest, best move for you, man. Well, you know, it'll, <laughs> It, it, you only need 15 feet to get spin efficiency and, and velocity. That's it. See, we're Rapsodo and Pocket Radar, so that may oh, yeah. be substantially a little bit different in terms of uh, what we're so, allowed to use. For I'm sure. not hating on it. I'm no, for sure. Well, and, and so the difference is even between those two is like you cannot get spin metrics with 15 feet of anything else on the market. You can't. Okay, so That's so pretty badass. Yeah, right. So what we use the pitch logic ball for that is within the drills and teaching these kids how to stay behind the ball. That's really what it is, mm-hmm. right? Because most yeah. of them have those three thing, three finger fastballs that turn into that football. I'm gonna because I know I know Jason Ferber watches all of our podcasts, <laughs> but he, okay, so he's been doing a lot of stuff and and when so when spin efficiency is not at a hundred on a fastball, okay, and maybe maybe I maybe somebody can correct me here, but. It's always cut. It's always cut, right? The hand is always still supinated, and that's why the ball is cutting. So this is an early trunk rotation thing. This is a poor arm path thing, right? This is always that the arm is not finished getting into extension. So for whatever it's worth, for if anybody is watching this, that's 
it has to be it. And it's always how I see people screw up is they, they, yeah. And then, and then a compensation would be like a guy that does have those timing mechanisms and is getting uh, high spin efficiency. Like that's a compensation, you know? Mm. So you, you got to have a little idea of what you're doing when you're playing with these things, which is anyway, another, a whole nother rabbit hole, right? Dude, we could go down so, so many rabbit holes, but I actually did want to talk about some movement today. Cause we, we got cut yes. off a little bit last time. So one of the things that I've actually been um, really passionate about lately has been um, understanding uh, over, over patterning. So um, guys that are right-handed that are only pitchers that don't swing a bat left-handed or guys that are right-handed, right-handed, left-handed, left-handed. And some of the things that I've been like wondering about my own upbringing was uh, I never grew up really practicing sports until I got good at them. My dad would take me to the park. We would throw the Frisbee. We would throw the football. We would, you know, just do a lot of play stuff, martial arts. And so I, I started like just diving into the idea of like um how do you make athletes from a young age right like figuring out why are some kids more athletic than others you know why why are some kids like flat-footed and other kids have arches built like you know michael jordan they can jump as high as they want you know it it, it makes me wonder like the environment that they're brought up in and the environment the play environment that they're given when they train when they have the training and so um thinking about like the over patterning of certain things. And then I've been watching younger kids move, right? Cause we're, we're open again. We're, we're moving around. I'm watching kids move that haven't moved in two months. It's actually, it's pretty fascinating to see some of these kids lose a lot of coordination because they're not using just one side of their body. Like it, it's, it's unbelievable. And one of the things that I've noticed has been the lack of awareness on the non-dominant side. Like, like what, what Weck talks about, like the idea of not only do they not know how to use their left hand for like, like actually operating it, but it suffers when it comes to like moving and like cutting and, and using this as like a space orienter. So like if you imagine a cheetah's tail helps it orient itself while it's running, it's a rudder, so to speak. These help in that same sense, right? If I learn how to use these kind of like cheetah tails proximally or distally, understanding how that leverage is going to work, which... I think about the head. If you guys want to think about the head, go watch Dominic Cruz fight. It's the funniest thing ever. When you actually think about the head, you're like, oh, that guy's not tired at all. He looks like he's moving all over the place, but he's leveraging these positions. And so then that's why I brought up the head. But again, watching some of these kids, like just do an arm circle with their left arm, like that are a right-handed thrower. And to see the lack of not just muscle awareness, but I mean, neurological control like there is a vast discrepancy between the side that they use if you're right-handed the left leg and the right shoulder or if they're left-handed the right leg and the left shoulder like i make them do little animal flow type drills which is one of my modalities that i use for body weight which actually really teaches kids how to create tension which i think is a lost art is tension and one of the things that i make them do is you're going to sit like a crab and you're going to lift up your opposite hand and your opposite foot like you would walk, right? And so you have contralateral stability. My right leg and my left arm are supporting me while my right hand and my left leg are lifted off the ground. So you're teaching these guys how to be aware of certain positions. Dude, it is crazy to see how little kids have even stability in their non-throwing shoulder. Like, it's fascinating. 
So one of the things that I've been trying to drill into these kids is learning how to own different positions. So big shout out to if, if you guys are out here and you're really curious about movement, there's a company called Gymnazo. They're a functional training gym in San Luis Obispo, California. In my opinion, I think they are the number one spot for anybody to learn how to functionally move at the base level. So one of my favorite things that they do, it's, it looks like the matrix, dude. Like if you saw my post yesterday, I was going over some of the stuff that I had learned from them and it doesn't make sense to the naked eye, but it's all about owning your physical sphere, right? Think about that. Imagine you have a 360 degree sphere around you and athletically, I have the ability to move within this. Like uh, like a wide receiver has a giant sphere because they can move in all over the places. A baseball player has to have a big sphere. A shortstop, yeah. a third baseman, a second baseman, an outfielder. A, a pitcher, catcher, yeah. A pitcher. Dude, first baseman. First baseman probably have the weirdest sphere ever because a lot of their sphere goes down to up. Like a lot of people miss down, so they have to be down here a lot more often. Same thing with shortstops and, and second baseman. An outfielder, their sphere is up here, right? So like there's so many different avenues of movement. So Gymnazo basically has taken the typical three planes of motion, the, the sagittal, the frontal, and the transverse, and they have almost matrixed that and opened that up and been like, okay, yeah, you operate within the sagittal plane, but think about all the movements that you do in the sagittal plane. Think about all the movements that you do in the transverse plane and then the frontal plane, and then how you may move sagittally, even though you're operating in the transverse plane, you're operating in the frontal plane, but you're still moving sagittally. You're still moving transverse, even though you're set in the sagittal position. So take the idea of like, um, take the idea of a shortstop covering second base on a throwdown because we can both talk that he's a like if he's a good shortstop he's gonna get low to the ground number one his feet are most likely gonna be in a wide position because that's gonna help them get down to the ground so now you have opening from the transverse coming from the feet now the hips are now open but you have to have sagittal strength to keep your core here and then you're operating in a transverse position. That's mm -hmm. a three-dimensional movement and it literally takes that long, right? But how often are we training that in kids? Like how fast can that kid get to that position? That's agility. You know what I mean? Like wow. how fast can you get, cause like you said, I may not throw 90 on a gun, but I know I throw a lot of guys off my knees. That was one thing that I did when my leg broke. I figured out how to get really quick off my knees because I couldn't pop anymore. I, I couldn't fucking pop. So it was all boom, hand speed and fucking arm action. Yeah. But I missed low a lot. So I had to like understand like, hey, my guy has to get there at a certain time. So I need to put this throw in a specific area for him to make the play. But that's movement. That's playing with my movement to make his movement better. Right. Because I need to make sure I give him a good throw so he can be a good athlete and make a play. So the, the idea of competition within itself, like you have to compete within each other, right? But we don't train kids how to hit these positions. We train hip flexion and hip extension and squats and lunges. But we don't talk about like, I wish I could get up and show you guys. Maybe I'll send you guys a video on Instagram later. But it's like the idea of like, imagine you're doing a squat. Your feet are straight right? Then I could have right foot slightly forward, left foot slightly forward. I could have my toes in. I could have my toes out. I could be wide. I could be wide with my right foot forward. I could be wide and externally rotated with my right foot forward. Those are positions that we get into. Like if you think about how much a shortstop changes his foot position in a nine inning game, it's, it's unbelievable. Like just to make 
transitions from one position to another to make a throw, fielding sagittally, rotating. And then again, you're still moving forward, but you're rotating to move that forward. But we do that all sports specific. We do that all skills specific. They don't learn to do that just to do that. So one of the things that we're doing at TPC right now is actually implementing that. And in the next coming months, we're going to see how these kids that are coming back in are being physically educated differently. So one of the things that we're doing right now that's actually pretty cool is we are actually segmenting things. So we actually have a warm-up location right now to keep the distance to appease the masses. So like I am running a 20-minute dynamic warm-up where we're simply focusing on your spatial awareness. Because what's a typical baseball dynamic warm-up? You know, maybe jog, high knees, butt kickers, skips, all this and that. But in reality, that doesn't help me move inside my sphere, right? That helps me move forward, helps me move laterally. But what about when it's a hit and run and I got to start to cover the bag and then the fucker pulls a line drive back into the hole and I got to make my way back that way? Like that's a sphere. That is a giant thing, right? Think about a catcher. My ability to be square here, and then I have to transfer my weight all the way over here, block it, pick it up, switch my feet. There's so much movement going on in a baseball field. But again, we keep training them like they're track stars. We're not training them like, dude, baseball is like the simple. It's my, it's my favorite team sport game because it really is movement personified into like this beautiful little thing. Like you've got weird squats, weird hinging, rotations of all different types. Like think about how hard you can throw and how soft you can throw at the same time. Like a second baseman doesn't need to throw as hard as a third baseman. Sometimes he does. You know, those are varying degrees of like uh, how, how much intensity you have. So when I hear you talk about that, I'm like, we don't train kids to be soft in their movement, though. So like when I hear Tai Chi, a nine-year-old may not get down with Tai Chi, but the movement that Tai Chi has, it's great for a nine-year-old. You know what I mean? Just the, the ability to go out, roll. But I'm on a I'm on a physio ball right now. I'm not actually sliding. Sorry. But like the idea of just like gliding along your cir- your circle, that's, that's what we're going at. And today I'm actually really excited. Uh, we're doing all speed and agility today. So Fridays is all about movement. So all day I'm pretty much just going to be teaching people how to move within their sphere of influence. And it, it's really exciting what we've got going right now. And so again, major shout out to Jim Nazo. They have a really young staff um, who, I mean, dude, they're badass, dude. You guys got to check these guys out. They're really, um, they're WEC method qualified. They've come up with their own system and um, they've been around. My first job at a gym was called Kennedy club fitness. And they were, a business within that business. They had like a little spot and now they have a facility that, I mean, it's huge. It's a warehouse, right? So they've really developed a beautiful system. And if you're an adult, if you are a independent collegiate amateur professional athlete and you don't move like how you would when you were a kid during PE, you're really taking a lot of movement out of your diet. Like, I mean, like, like, like simple things that, that you don't even think about anymore, like playing tag. Like tag is probably one of the most athletic games you could have kids play. The cutting, the moving, the shoulders, like all this stuff. That's all movement that I need to have. But we don't drill that into kids. We drill into kids like planks and rotations and, you know, and all these other stuff. But, like, again, I'm never in a plank on a baseball field. 
I'm constantly fluid though. Like I'm constantly fluid. So that that's, that's where we are with movement right now is we're trying to train people in a sense of like understanding their three dimensions. It, 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 and I don't think that it's too far for anybody to really understand. I think they have to be willing to accept that we don't lift weights on the baseball field. We don't throw medicine balls on the baseball field. We don't throw kettlebells on the baseball field. What we do is we move. So you need to have a lot of movement into your diet. And then all the other stuff, that's going to work. The weights, that's going to work. The sprinting, that's going to work. But if they don't have a base of like, understanding how they move all those other things are going to be really hard for them to get better at you know what i'm saying guys i'm gonna pat myself on the back right now that was good guess what guess what my favorite game is to play with kids tag sharks and minnows it's the same thing right it's the same thing and and i did it with 400 kids at uh, that's a big ocean so <laughs> sorry. So it was, I think the biggest we had was like 125 at a time. Um, Shit, that's so many kids. It was, yeah, it was awesome. But you know, and, and, and people, this was pre COVID. No, this was last week. Guys. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all came in for a group hug too. Um, <laughs> no, we, um, and, and John and I have been, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, you know, we, we ran into a little league that really just their tryout was watch, basically watch a kid take three swings, three throws and three ground balls. And that was like how they made their teams. And I just said, well, we can, we can turn this into something that looks more like a camp. We can structure it to where their stations and at least have, you know, more things going on than a big long line. And that was the, the way that we got them prepared. So um, I think <laughs> We were nobody, so people were looking at us super weird, right? Like nobody, we're we're new to San Diego in general, and then um, San Diego doesn't, you know, this isn't something that's really popular, right? So, anyway, it's just I think it's fun, and and I've had people look at me so weird, and it looks so elementary. I'm like, this is the this is one of the smartest things I do. <laughs> Dude, boxing sparring is tag. If you think about what boxing is, it's hit and don't get hit. That's tag. Like, that is the most violent game of tag you will ever play in your life, but it's tag, you know? Like, so when I hear people talk about, like, oh, I mean, games aren't good, I'm like, dude, you know, like, martial artists, all they do is play games. Like, they play the idea of, like, okay, you have my back, I have to get up, and we're going to keep doing that for five minutes, and then we switch. Like, that's a game. That's what it is. And I, 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 love, I love how you guys have, like, simplified I, I think simplicity is the number one thing that needs to happen right now because i think there's a lot of over specification on athletics when in all reality sports are literally different just by the rules the movement are, are pretty much the same like a basketball player doesn't need to throw 100 times a day but to say that a baseball player and a basketball player move differently i would argue that till like, i turn blue in the face right because there's so many things that a basketball player like when you jump and there's five people around you, you're not going to come down straight down. You know, that there is a lot of things that could go wrong. Think about all the ankle injuries that have happened. Think about all the times guys have landed on their ass, their shoulders, their back, you know, like their knees. Shit, man. I couldn't imagine landing like on my ankles and then my knees on hard plywood when there's like three other 250-pound freaks on top of me. Like that's scary, right? Football. 
the movement in baseball, football, and basketball, it's pretty much all the same, but it's the rules and how, like, you guys remember when I talked about the tiers of biology, like the one, two, three? All those sports operate in one, two, three, but the number four, it's just how they use those. Like, it's all the same. It's all the same, but, like, one strategy. of the – You guys – Strategy, right? <laughs> strategy. It's how, how do you use your movement? Okay, you're fast. If you play basketball, the way you use your movement is going to be different than how you play it in baseball and how you do it in football, how you do it in soccer. Like, But speed is still king. Like, I'll say that right now. It, I don't care how strong you are. If somebody's out there faster than you, they're probably more dangerous than you. Like, speed is dangerous. So if that's one thing that I could tell anybody to work on, like, I'm not very fast, but I'm explosive. If it's a five-yard race, you better be moving, son. But once it gets out to, like, 20, 30 yards, that's where I top out. Genetically, I'm not that fast. But I was a catcher. So I only had to move inside a little tiny sphere. So that's why I like martial arts so much, because it's not about how fast you can move. It's just, boom. Boom. I'm just like a cat. It's fun like that. But that's athleticism. That's movement. That's me moving my body, moving my, my spine in space. So that, that's where I am right now. I think that we've all, we've over, we've over exhausted number four and we forgot about one, two, and three. Remind, remind much, us because yeah. not everybody watches every episode. So number one, you're a human. Each one of you has to do the essentials of a human. If you were a vegetable, and I hate saying this to get morbid, but if you were a vegetable, you would still do these things. You would still need to digest nutrition. You would still need to sleep. You would still need to acquire oxygen, right? So those are three main things. If, like I've talked about this before and I've, I've educated people, if you only breathe with your shoulders, imagine what your traps and your pecs and your lats and your rhomboids are going to be doing. If you only breathe with your belly, Imagine how your diaphragm might look if there's no connection with your chest. Or if you only breathe with your mouth, imagine how little diaphragmatic control that you have. Then once you hit those bases, okay, you know how to breathe. You have a decent diet. You actually sleep. That's a big one for kids. Like kids don't want to eat or sleep, but they want to train every day. I get it. Then number two is actual, I call this athletic biology. Um, and that's a, a term that I've coined recently. It's, it's more athletic biology. Can you run? Can you walk? Can you cut? Can you jump? Can you throw? Can you swing? Can you jump off one foot and land on two? Can you jump off two foot and land on one? You know, like there's so many inner specifics. Then you have your sport. Okay. Then it's okay. Fielding, shooting, dribbling. Um, I'm not sure. Football, tackling right? Wrestling, shooting, jujitsu, grappling, like there's, that's where you would train the sports specifics. And then there's number four, which is you, the, the listener, the, the athlete, the player, that is how you combine all three into, you know, number four. So like how, what I talked about. So number one, I went into mental processings, breath. That was a big thing for me with the Ken Revisa method. Then number two, I used number one, to influence how I do number two, okay? I made myself calm and I, I, I made sure I was eating the right food. I slept. So number two came from number one. If you don't respect how you eat, sleep, and breathe, you don't respect how you live life. That's just my opinion. And you can eat whatever you want. Like, you can do that. But you have to understand that if you don't sleep eight hours a day and you don't focus on your breathing, number one is really going to take advantage of you. And it's sad. Like, I'm not saying don't eat McDonald's, but I'm just saying you better be sleeping nine hours a night and doing some breath work.
because that stuff is hard for your body to process. Again, not saying you can't do it. If that's what you want to do, do your thing. But you got to respect two and three. Then throwing, swinging, all that stuff, that's just fundamental. Think about how many babies they just grab a toy and they throw it. That's biology. Nobody taught them how to throw, but they grab the toy and they throw it at mom. They don't know why. They just do it, right? I My girlfriend's kid the other day, he just grabbed the RMT club that I had and he just started swinging it around. He didn't know what he was doing, but he just started swinging it around. Again, biology, right? He grabs a ball. He lifts it up. He presses it. Those are things that we do biologically. But again, they don't need to be the focus. They're a part of it. Then you have number three, where again, fielding, catching, all those other specific stuff. I can focus on one and two. Okay, you muffed up on that ground ball. Take a big deep breath. Calm your biology. Okay, let's think about it. Were you in a good position? Yeah, I felt like I moved pretty well. Maybe it was just a mental clarity thing. Okay, your mechanics are good. You know how to feel. Boom. Number three is taken care of because we occupied number one. I really think breathing and eating and sleeping, that de-stresses your system the most. Then you have number four. How does Alex, how does Alex play the game? How does Cass play the game? How does John play the game? John takes a deep breath before he takes a throw so he can make the right pitch the way that he wants to, which is a slider in this situation. It's all about the tiers. Technically, it would go this way, not down. It would go up because the pyramid's smaller at the top. But the gist of the idea is I'm not going to tell John how to play like Cass. And I'm not going to tell Cass how to play like John. Therefore, I may not train them the same way, but they have to have the same principles. Like The, the principles are key here. The, the idea that you're a, a living creature that is pretty much, you're, you're an ape that moves like a big cat. That's what humans are. You're, you're a monkey thing that can move like a cat. It's fucking cool. But if you don't respect that you can do that, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. Like I never imagined myself like hitting a ball 107 miles an hour. I can do it. The other day, like two months ago, I just put a ball on the tee and just kind of leg kick and bam, I haven't hit in however long, 95 miles an hour off the bat. So once you respect your biology to a certain degree, your body's like, dude, I like this. Let's go. I can do whatever you want. Let's do it. So I think that that's a big lost art in a lot of guys and in training. And you can take that with a grain of salt to everybody out there, to every trainer out there. Remember, I'm still growing. I'm 26, but I grew up in an environment where guys were constantly coming from the leader. This is the CSCS. This is the USAW. This is the Kelly Starrett. This is the this. This is the that. Broke my leg. Constant elbow pain, right? We never had recovery days. We never focused on fascia. We always focused on bilaterals and unilateral levers. Even though my body moves as one unit when I throw the ball, there is no single lever that's operating. It's a fluid unit. Sure, it can like incrementalize, but it comes from the movement of another place. And you guys can educate me on that, but that's just how I see movement. Like the arm does not throw without the leg. There is just no way that the arm can throw without the leg. So that's how I view it. And uh, you guys will obviously have your thoughts, but the whole idea is, if we don't respect our biology, your athleticism is going to be affected. And I've seen that in quite a few guys. I mean, uh, the, the, the big thing that I see in a lot of guys is the GOTA stuff, which a lot of people are unfamiliar with. And I'll break it down like this. Watch Michael Jordan move. He's the, he's the best. 
Okay. Watch him walk, watch him shoot a basketball, watch him jump, watch that guy operate. Nolan Ryan, that guy is a go to throwing 97 till he's like 48. Like that's ridiculous. But the idea that they have these long careers, I look at that and yeah, they've had some injuries here and there, but look how they move. Look how, look how fluid some of them are. Like MJ, when I see him jump, toes in, heels out, inside ankle bone is high, meaning his arch doesn't collapse, meaning his, he's more in a supinated position, not a pronated position with his foot, right? So that gives his arch position to act like a spring so he can jump, right? Imagine if your hand couldn't grab very hard. You wouldn't throw hard. Like you don't have the, the control. If you don't have a good grip, you're not going to throw hard. The grip in your hands is as strong as the grip in your foot. So those two things are very much connected. So when I think about how somebody walks, like how Cass said, I can tell you how somebody moves. If I can watch you walk, I can be like, oh, you might have elbow issues. You might have lumbar issues. I was watching a client the other day do soccer drills. She's a, she's a division one goalkeeper, a good athlete. But I was watching her stand and walk and I'm like, oh, we got work to do. We got a lot of work to do. And she's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong. You should have seen her move. Like, she's, like, making a save here, bounces off the ground, makes another save there, makes a throw, kicks. I'm like, that's a good athlete. But biologically, she has hijacked herself. She walks like how somebody would walk if they do Olympic lifting. Feet out wide. Lumbar is kind of stacked, you know. And so when I see that, I'm, I'm thinking, you have taken away number one and number two, for the satisfaction of number three, instead of operating under the ideals that number one and number two are key for number three to be the best. And she is actually, um, she's going to transfer to Vanderbilt, I believe, as a goalkeeper. She's good. She plays at Berkeley now. She's going to transfer to Vanderbilt. Smart cat, too. I was Very about smart. to say, Berkeley to Vandy? Smart. Easy. You know what I mean? Pump I the brakes, girl. Save some intelligence for the rest of us. <laughs> you can't just keep it to yourself. Uh, easy, but easy. Easy. So she's she's very aware. And she, she looked at me the other day because we haven't had a, a, an in-person meeting because of the whole everything, you know? And one of the things she said was like, I really wanted to get back to like the, she said something like that, like the tears of biology. And I was like, where did you hear that? And cause I know I'm not the original one who said that there's plenty of people that have said that, but she was like, I just understand that like there are, I have to be like a human first, then I have to do things athletically. And then it's like a soccer player and then it's live. And I was like, yep. That's why you go to Vanderbilt. How, yeah. That's why. That's yeah. why you go to Vanderbilt. You know. What By I mean? the way, on the so, foot thing, on the foot thing, the toe drag yeah. for me, just like that—that's all I needed to feel. The fourth yes. toe. The yes. Fourth toe. Well, okay. Well, so here's something I have to ask two pitchers. Then I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Why do you guys push off the big toe so much, or why do you think guys are pushing off the big toe? Because I see a lot of pitchers. It looks like they're like almost like rotating off of the top of their shoe, not using the platform of their soul to rotate. You know what I mean? Can I, okay. So, so, okay. So this is where pitching nerd, um, this is why he brought up the foot. Okay. And so yeah. he made it kind of like, it, um, I mean, whatever he'll say this, he'll say this whenever he doesn't care. He really does not care. He's, he's, um, a big, um, oh my gosh. Who's the go to guy? Uh, Coach Gill? What? Coach Gill, like the guy, or M you mean what's, MJ? What? 
No, um, no. What is the other one? Uh, it's, you already brought him up. Start saying people who are like shit. Nolan Ryan. Anyway, the three points of contact. Where does that come from in the foot? Three points of contact. Three points of contact. Oh, that's whack. Um, uh, let me see. You've got outside edge, and then you've got heel, and then big. No, cut. it's not yeah. a whack thing. It's not a whack thing. But anyway, whack is just the green dot. So, point is, is that I am interested in the end of pronation and that being actually the end. And so what I think it is, is that nobody even thinks to push through the outside part of the foot. Like literally I've heard many, many people say you should. Yeah, you, oh, your, audio. yeah your audio just went away. So go, I can hear you. Yeah, go ahead. I can hear Cass, you I think, Cass, I think you're okay without AirPods. You'll be okay. You're quiet. I have two sets. Oh, two. This okay. Um, yeah, I found some player. at the beach. It's a great. It's a great thing. Um, I found some at the beach, dude. Literally, they wash up on shore. Um, okay, I'm getting off topic. What I'm talking um, three, three points. points of okay, contact. so so I'm giving like uh, so pitching nerd Sean Kitzman out of Minnesota. Um, by the way, martial art. He's a black belt in jujitsu. I'm pretty sure. Um, and just like brilliant, 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 brilliant. And so he's like, stay on the outside part of the foot. Um, create your arch and that's that's the move right and so what i'm seeing as soon as i started just looking at the foot um like it just explains everything everybody goes inside right away like it's it's unbelievable speaking of araldus chapman why does araldus chapman have command issues because he goes so oh man i'm, I'm diving deep right now okay so go, back to what go. you're saying is it's simply just outside maintain outside as long as you possibly can okay because you don't have to try to go in the act of trying to stay supinated and outside of the foot without losing the contact of the um ball of the foot right without losing that the act of staying out and open um in the joint leveraging the foot right you'll go into neutral and you'll blow by it right it, I, I imagine i always think about how hot water co freezes faster than cool water Right? It's the same idea that the longer you can hold out, boom, you're going to go into internal rotation without trying. So you talked mm. about rotation. I don't have to try. Okay. What's up? Oh, I'm thinking. You just said something great. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I could shit. tell. I could tell. He <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't, oh, I didn't know shit. what kind that was. I didn't know what the kind that was. So, okay. So here are the feet. So like you I'm go out. Mask. You can only see my eyes, you know. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, what's, what's Tim Allen, Home Improvement, Wilson? Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah, neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're going, this is how the feet are going to want to act. You're going to want to go like this, 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 this. This is the backside. You're going, going, going. Boom. You go in and you're going to hit in and go out. So you want to hit in on the, on the front foot. And okay. a lot of people don't. Most people don't. Okay. And so what most people are doing is, Okay, let me think about the joints, and I'm going to actually stand out for this. And I know, so you're sorry saying for some... I want to land pronated with my front leg. Okay, so you won't, no. you can't, oh, okay. yeah. but you should. Okay, so okay, so this is what I've been showing everybody. Okay, and if you want to watch my video from yesterday, you should. Okay, so I've been showing everybody like abduct as hard as you possibly can, and then learn how to squat abducted as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. And then that'll, and then like, okay, that'll usually create supination in the feet. Okay. Yep. So, um, so essentially I'm saying you are going to be open the whole entire time. So what people accidentally do is they go open, 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 open. 
And then as they're supposed to land, that will close the joint. Landing open uh, closes the joint. They try to then open more. And now when they actually get the hip joints closed, it's off to the first base side. So too many people are opening up the joint instead of uh, closing it. So when you try to land supinated and try to land closed, you literally can't. I mean, it will, it will look real Instagram posts for a while. Now I really get those. You've been on yeah. that tear for a while. We just, uh, yeah. we just shot a good version hate, of it yesterday. It. Like I was looking at it like, what am I looking at? So what, yeah, I, don't, what I, I feel I don't, with... what, so what do I need to hold on, John, just to okay. clarify, what do I need? How do I, what am I not saying? Cause I never know these things. I'm just like trying to get a message through. How did you okay. hear that? So, so the the first thing that I heard was when you talked about staying supinated on the foot, what that reminds me of is because I'm a martial guy, so you just got to bear with it. We may not have the exact parallels, but they're going to be linear. So when I think of staying on the outside of the foot, I think about um, when I rotate to throw a punch, I'm not trying to ever go on the inside edge ever because I don't want my knee to come in. Because if you think about it from an MMA standpoint, I don't have any base. You're going to take my legs. I'm gone, right? So I think about keeping my weight on the outside of my foot because that's going to allow me to have that bounce. And your ankle actually rolls a little bit better to the supinated side, and you can almost pivot off that point. Mm -hmm. So if yeah. I'm transitioning, like if I take a jab forward and you throw a right hand and I cross it, if my foot's like this, I can put that foot down, boom, and pivot off, and now I'm facing you again. But if I land like this, my my knee is now collapsed and I can't pivot as fast. So that's yeah. why I hear that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, But everything in our about, thing is, is predictable. So we can go yes. in and we should yes. keep going. But you will go in, but not because you want to or you're trying to because it just happens. And I agree with that. And what I see guys do a lot, even how we started this conversation, my buddy that sent me the video and he said, hey, what do you see from this picture? We talked about the head. When I looked at his back foot, his his supinated part of the foot immediately went like that. And he was pretty much rotating like this the whole time. And I was watching that and I was like, that dude's going to have arm problems. Oh, and guess what? By the way, rotate. Yeah, yeah. And and so for the record, the other thing is, is it's often don't you can't just cue that. You can't just fix that because it's often because the front side is closing. So it's often because they're trying to close the front joint because everybody tells them to keep yeah. the front hip joint open, neutral. It should be below the knee, should be relaxed, and you just have to stay as neutral as you possibly can. Think of um, what's the Seattle guy that's now um, ah, frick. I need to have a private movement session with you guys so I can take you guys through some stuff that you guys would be like, yes. I know, I know. What I know. you just said, what you just said, and you talked about the abduction of the hips. That is how Onnit starts their education. They teach you how to squat. And what they call it is tearing the floor apart. And what the, the biggest thing that you see with people squatting, valgus collapse. They have no idea how to supinate, but they don't call it supination. They don't call it abduction. They don't call it anything. What they call it is tear the floor apart. You know what I mean? I say rip a then, piece of paper in half. Yes, I've used that one too. That's a great one. It works. But once you get that, dude, when I rotate on the outside of my foot and I hit or I throw a punch or I do anything rotationally, I feel better. Like, 
That's exactly what I, I was going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I feel better. But I don't have the practice with projectile anymore. So that's something that I need to get back into, which is why I started talking about this. And So that's really interesting. And I agree with the front side, dude. Like, I really agree with the front side, especially if... Because I'm guilty of it. I've done it a thousand times. I've done it so many times. I feel terrible. Seriously. But everybody's doing it. It's not Mm -hmm. just, like, I am... And this is what I'll say. Like, this is why I get so passionate about, like, the education of this. I represent a guy who wanted to know this shit so long ago. And the ability to get here is so hard. It's not so obvious what is right and what's wrong, not right? And so these these youth coaches, I'm so over shitting on them because they have no chance, right? They yeah, don't they have don't. any chance. Like you can be the most committed guy ever, and and so so I'm I, I got to be a little bit okay with myself being wrong, and I I openly admit this all the time to people. Listen, I'm I'm gonna say things that I might completely change my mind on in six months. But like, I hope you see that that's what I'm willing to do. I'll tell you when we did it. I'll make him, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what we're going to do. And, and this is why, and here it is. You shouldn't always listen to somebody no matter how much you trust them, yeah. right? Because you have to be the person that's making the final decision. And so if you truly do not like something that we suggest and you don't say it, that's not my fault. So you have to mm. learn how to speak up for yourself as an athlete. 100%. So 100%. And that's where like the militarized idea of baseball kills it. Kills it's it. like, you can't have an opinion. I remember my last college game. I walked up to my coach. I just went off. I hit like, I think three doubles in the first game. And then the game before that, I hit like two or three doubles as well. So I was just feeling it. And I was sitting in the eight hole and there are four guys ahead of me that haven't done anything in like 12 games. And I'm like, dude, move me up we need this right now like move me up and i remember i had to apologize to the hitting coach and to the head coach and i didn't believe it i like when i said i'm sorry i was like i'm sorry like i said it like that like i didn't believe it but the idea was like how dare i go against what you think but it's like dude i'm the one out there on the field playing and leading this team i see things that you don't my perception is not your perception your perception is not mine like when when a team is really effective, it's when the perceptions are all accepted, but they're not ruled as 100% true. Like everybody oh. can kind of see where you're coming from, and that's where the team gets really fucking powerful or the, the community or whatever it is. But if you can't have like non-cohesive ideas that can still meet and, and th- I mean, this is super metaphorical for where we're at right now, right? But if you can't have two non-cohesive ideas to still like not not even it's like oil and water like oil and water don't just bash out of each other they still like sit there they they still sit there it's not like oil is coming out and water is going out they still sit there and there is a small reaction happening not enough to where they blend but enough to where they can be okay with each other you know what i mean yeah and i think that's a big thing okay i got uh, it i uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because because you, you, you activated it. I'm triggered. Okay. I'm triggered, bro. I'm triggered. Because here, here's one thing that I make an argument all the time, right? Why in yeah. the world, besides professional baseball, occasionally, does all of the other coaches get so mad when something happens? You're not even playing the game. 
Right. And so the lack, the lack of like sharing and being on the same plan is just like withholding this information of power instead of like you're saying, right. You're the, you're the catcher. Right. And if we literally can understand what's going on without having to add this other guy who has his own opinion, who doesn't even have the correct view of the pitch because he's sitting on the sidelines, right. He should get out of the way, get out of the way. Right. percent. Okay. hundred percent. And so the best team I've ever played on, we literally did the opposite of what the coach said. They had their own signs on the base path, turning on and off his signs. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. They would literally touch their helmet if they were going to do it or not. And then they always did the same thing. Because that's The entire world knew that we hit and run first pitch after a single. And the only reason I knew that was weird because my first year, first inning playing the first team, we hit a single on the first pitch base up in the middle. We had never played this team before from South Florida, and they pitched out second pitch of the game and got us. And I was like, what is going on right now? We've thrown two pitches of the game, and we get banged on a hit and run. What is – I'm like, wow. like, this is crazy. And then I just saw it happen more and more and more. And finally, you know – I remember losing to the number two team in the country, two out of three on three baseball games, three one nothing ball games. Okay, and our coach got mad at us and made us run because we did not execute and and we left on twenty five guys on base. In the grand scheme, all three starting pitchers were top ten rounders. So what are we talking about? There's right? that coach. Yeah, dude, I've had the same thing. You know, and, and so like the this the there's this weird thing that happens in coaching where like if you look at Joe Torrey and all these guys, like the worst possible thing could happen in the World Series, they cut over to Joe Torrey. What's he look like? He looked like he's just sitting there watching the game with the rest of us, like, man, that that sucks. That sucks. <laughs> yes. He's just sitting there. He's just sitting there, like, like, yeah. Like uh, poor Buck Showalter has been a part of so many terrible moments and it always cracks me up. Like you could there someone's gotta have a fan cam of like Buck Showalter after like all of these crazy things happened where he got walked off on so much and you just see him just sitting there with he's just Buck Showalter, hands on his hips, just at the top step, just looking around like he's confused, like damn. Yeah, man. Damn. <laughs> what happened? You know? But like how even, did I get here? Yeah, how did I, how in the world did this happen? You know? But like you just – we got parents fighting in the stands and, and travel ball games. I'm like, bro, you're not even playing the game. I don't even understand yeah. how you're mad. How are you mad you're not even playing the game? Dude, Dude I, had a, I had a – I had a – probably like – I remember oh, my dad man. was never a baseball parent because my dad would always like openly say, he goes, baseball people are funny sometimes. <laughs> like they're real funny, man. And I'm like, I know, right? But, dude, when you're 12 years old, you've got, like, an all-star team of kids who, guess what? Maybe 5% will play varsity baseball. Yeah. Like, just to be real. And you've got six parents taking scorebooks, arguing with the umpire over what the count is. It's like, dude, we're 12. This is a I... – we already lost our district tournament. This is, like, a complimentary tournament. Nobody gets money. Nobody gets anything. Why are we here? Like, Boombox and walk-up uh, songs at 12-year-old tournaments. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> bro, you had to earn that. <laughs> bro, you just learned how to hit two days ago. Like, bro, like, this isn't even the game. Bro, this isn't even the game. This is like half the game. You haven't even made it to the next no. field size. Yeah. That's Dude, what I think like, about. Speaking, remember when we talked? 
we talked about martial arts kind of earlier about like baseball like what would a purple belt be like triple a like yeah i seriously believe like you are a white belt in baseball until you go play college sports <laughs> you can have all the idea if you want but when yeah. you play college baseball you're like Dude, baseball just got so complicated. It's like, yeah, that's the game that they're playing. So when you get up to the highest of the levels, it's super complicated. They don't have fucking time to be worried about shit, you know? Like, they're thinking about too much, it seems like. Like, I've always thought of, like, how a football coach rehearses the first 20 plays of the game. I've always found that, like, really interesting. Not in a negative way. I'm just like, huh, that's, like, super interesting how – you're planning to get a reaction, but you don't know if that reaction is going to happen. And it's like this and that. And it's so interesting. But when it comes to a baseball game, it's really like, well, I'm going to throw Johnny out on the mound. We're just going to see what happens. You know, like that's what it is. And it's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of like predictions in baseball. Like, yeah, I'll throw Max Scherzer out there. He'll probably give me seven innings, nine Ks, this, that, and the other. And then you make your assumptions. But like in football, it, it really is like, piece by piece like people have no idea what's going to happen so maybe that's why they're so frazzled all the time because they're just like they're trying to control so much about yes, it because they don't they know trying. what's going to happen where a baseball players just like shit okay. man i don't know all right <clears throat> okay here we go i i have the counter yeah, here we go. i have the counter so go. just like you love boxing and bjj Take those street fighter combinations, and that is actually what pitching is. Pitching is a combination of fast, slow, in and out, up, down, left, and right. Okay. And so, yes, you can practice those sequences and have them up, in your tool belt. Around. Yeah, dude. You you totally can, right? I don't know anything about you, but what I do know about you, and I've never seen you swing, is that you're aggressive, you're a catcher, and that you probably have pretty good hand-eye coordination. I can factor that into my idea and understand that if you're a catcher, that probably means that you weren't the best hitter, but you do have good hand-eye coordination, so you're probably a threat, right? You're still a threat, but I don't know what that is because I've never faced you, right? So if I've never faced you and I have all five pitches in my tool bet, this is what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go slow, fast, slow, fast to start and have options off those pitches according to what you do. So I'll throw your first pitch slider at your face because you already talked about how that you weren't what you're hunting fastballs and how you take that pitch will actually tell me what your entire offensive plan will be. If, if you open up with your hands when I throw the first pitch slider and you roll over, I win, you were sitting fastball. If you take mm -hmm. it, if you take it and track it all the way into the glove, I also know you were taking till you got a strike and you were also sitting fastball. If you take it like a poker player and you don't give me any information, I didn't learn anything. So I'm going to stick with my sequence. So next pitch I'll probably throw because I set up the inside tunnel was fastball inside. Hopefully I execute it and hopefully you're early and pull it foul because you feel good about yourself. If you swing at that pitch and rip it foul, then I'll be really good on this next pitch and I'm going to throw a slider and I'm probably going to start it off at your face and try to drop it in the zone so if i start off at your face the biggest one i can if i can get you to delay your your decision process you're probably going to strike out looking mm -hmm. so it's very good effective velocity right there it is effective velocity right it's tunneling very it's fast flow there's all kinds of stuff but that was the first time i'd faced you i only used two yeah. pitches i have five pitches yeah. And I also only used one of the four set 16 combination patterns that I have. You're probably going to go up there, just like your coach said, look for a fastball in a sequence you're probably going to sit on is fast, fast, slow, slow, right? Right? Because that's most of the time most what pitchers likely. throw to start most off. Likely. They're going to they're gonna announce themselves with authority and throw a fastball and challenge him, right? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen yeah. because you guys yeah. – 
you guys warm up in batting practice before the game, and all you do is hit fastballs down the middle. That's you the need to start saying thing. things like that, like mm-hmm. you're from Florida. Mm-hmm. Just that's the dumbest thing. Dude, it, it, <laughs> that's please. the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> please it's just turn really that on. interesting. Like when you talked about that, there is no coach that breaks that down. Like I learned that when I was 22. I didn't learn effective velocity till I was 22 years old. That's not hard to necessarily teach somebody how to read somebody's reactions. And and you know, my like, favorite part to what you just said is the word um, effective velocity means different things to different people. What does it mean to you, Rob? To me, it's it's on the same basis of what you were talking about. Uh, I like the idea of tunnels. Um, I like to break mine down into two quadrants. So like a top triangle and then a bottom triangle and how that, so have you guys ever seen Bryce Harper break that down about how he breaks down the hitting triangles that way, pretty much in the same, in the same viewpoint. And I operate in that same idea. Like I will look at how you take a fastball in the inside pitch. Did you open your hips up? Did your hands move? Did your hands jet a little bit? Where did your body go? Because depending on how your body presented itself to that pitch, ball or strike, is going to determine the next outcome. Where, okay, it was a strike on the inside half. You didn't even move. I'm going to go back there and see what you do. Like, I'm going to test you. And that's that's a beautiful portion of effective velocity. Then, now I've got you sitting on the inside tunnel. And like you said, now I have a couple of different ideas. Say you missed higher on that first fastball, but it was still a strike. And that second fastball was a little lower. If you're a five-pitch guy and your curveball is a little better than your slider, maybe I know that curveball starts a little higher, breaks down into the zone. Then next pitch, I can climb the fastball up a little bit higher. Now that 90-mile-an-hour fastball looks like it's 95 at your eyes, but you love it. You want to take a hack at it, and we'll see you. I'm going to go flip that one to the third baseman, and we'll see you next time, dude. So the way I see effect. The way I see effective velocity is honestly a lot like striking. Like I do a lot of things compared to martial art, but like if I faint my right hand, I'm going to see how you react to that. Like if I rotate that hard, you may do that. Then I go, oh, you do that when I do my right hand. What if I add a foot flip with that? What are you going to do? What if I add a hand flip with that, right? And that's the same thing as, I remember the first time I actually learned effective velocity. I learned it from a hitting coach and I actually pulled it off on this guy. Like the first at bat, I ever I was like, okay, coach, let's see if you know what you're talking about. And it was our big bruiser, and I put him down with like an 85 mile an hour guy, like, and I was just like, holy shit, that worked. <clears throat> I didn't even have to know anything about it. It just worked, right? So certain ideas, if they're explained the correct way, take a really good route, and then they just go into this thing. And from there, I called a no hitter. I've almost called two perfect games since that point. I've really, I've groomed a lot of pitchers. I've had a lot of pitchers tell me that I was the best catcher they ever had. And that was probably one of the best compliments I've ever had. And I've even heard guys that I've never even caught before or played with. And they talk to me like guys like Rob Hill. And they talk to me with respect as if, you know, they understand on the same level what I understand. And it just comes from like a concept, right? And that's like the strategy. Like if I know your strategy, you know my strategy, and we've never played a game before, but hey, you know we might be able to dice some some dudes up. You know, Speed ranges. You you said, but but for the record, you said talk. Oh, also, I can't hear you. Oh, also him just like not. Well, the the whole thing is because other people can, right, John? You're good. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like it's allowed, right? It's either talk or allowed. So it's it's cool. So just tell him it, he's gonna he's just gonna allowed. say something that's taught allowed. Taught or allowed. 
That's what he was saying. Taught or allowed? So I'll I'll go on. I'll go, I mean? Yeah, know yeah, like can, yeah. Taught or allowed is what he's basically talking about. Like the freedom to throw your own sequences of whatever you want, or you're going to run into. We're going to get ahead with a fastball, and then we're going to throw yeah. a fastball inside, and then we're going to throw. Because I was I was I was allowed to make pitches <laughs> yeah. as a player, dude. So like even with what you're saying to me, the effective velocity, the thing that I see that's a little bit deeper into the idea is, is the speed range idea. What is the maximum yes. range, right? And so yeah. that's where, you know, one of my favorite pitchers to follow uh, as his career went on and something he had from the beginning to the end. And it's so counter to all of the ideas about the popping curveball is Roy, Roy uh, Oswald. Right, Roy Oswalt will drop in sixty-five favorite pitchers to watch. Sixty-five to seventy mile an hour, four-foot bangers on purpose that look like they were going to the moon from behind his head. Right, and mm -hmm. it would drop in, and the hitter would give up on it right away, and then he'd steal a strike. Right, or if he mm -hmm. really wanted to kill it, he would throw it straight and make it look like that fastball down the middle, and then just drop it right in front of the plate. Right. And so mm -hmm. with speed ranges, the, the next phase of what I'm going to be working on from the 16 combinations is there's actually another one. Right. And this is that Greg Maddox, Roy Oswalt level, which is fast, medium, slow. And so if you can go fast, medium, slow and use your pitches in there, I once saw Greg Maddox strike out a guy at 81 miles an hour and the ball went different directions at every point. That's magical. Right. So he threw a change up at 81. He threw a two seam in 81. He threw a, a four seam in 81. Like he absolutely killed it. And so watching him do what he needs to do to be able to get people out at that level, like the fact that people say Greg Maddox was like not trying to throw hard is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard because I've never seen a pitcher locate at 60% and still be effective, right? Like even Hendricks is like, you know, he's the slower guy right now. That dude's trying to snap his two seam at maximum speed so it gets the action. That's different than trying to throw 100%, right? That's and he doesn't idea. throw harder. He doesn't throw yeah. harder because he internally rotates too soon. Yes, exactly. Simple. He gets off the outside. You talked about this. I mean, that was your question. Why do you guys push off the ball of their foot so much, right? It's because they don't stay on the outside part. That's the reason. Yeah, he, so. he internally rotates, which allows two-seam guys to get more run because it kind of launches the arm over and they come through, and then it dies, just like Ooh. Hendrix, right? Th that, by the way, that's what John was doing yesterday. So I actually – Alex, can you hear me yet? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me now? Okay, so so yesterday I talked about Taylor being early in his timing, okay? And John was also early in his timing. So both of their velos were like three miles an hour lower than what they normally were. And Taylor, it just gave him fits. And John, for his first like six to seven pitches – he, he just wasn't doing it. And then all of a sudden the guy came up and he's like, Hey, you're down. It's really hard to pick up your downward angle. I can't, I, it, the shit in the background, like, and John just like all of a sudden like, Oh, that's, it's my secret. Okay. And then he threw like four fastballs in a row. And, and then I was like, Oh, that took him out of caring that he wasn't on time. So then he embraced that he wasn't on time. So his mm -hmm. breaking ball got bigger because he was early. Okay, his fastball was moving more. His two seam was doing things, and normally it doesn't really do anything. And and he was taking fastballs, and he was going, "I'm gonna throw this outside on a righty, and I'm gonna aim there." So literally, catcher set up outside, and he's purposely just like running into it. He's like or leaning into is what I meant. Like he's, "I'm gonna make this ball move more because my ball is moving more now anyway." And so he's mm -hmm. gonna throw it outside and let it, and it's going in on guys' hands. Like, yeah. so I've never seen somebody, um, like be able to lean into that like that. 
right? You see guys, you see it all the time in the bigs, right? Where guys, they don't have their pitches. No, they do have their pitches. They don't know how to, just like a golfer, hey, I'm, I'm fading a little bit today. Like, let's play it. Like, why don't people do that more? So yeah. it's just it's a good point. different level, different level. You guys yeah, ever we- hear Joey Vaughn talk about how a hitter should be like a golfer? It's one of my mm. favorite quotes I've ever heard a baseball player say. He, he said, I liken a hitter to a golfer. You need to know how to drive. You need to know how to chip. You need to know how to play. You need to know how to hit the ball differently because the opportunity is going to present itself where you don't need to drive a 300-yard banger down the fairway. You need a little fade on that ball so it can set yourself up for the next shot. You know, and like that's where baseball is a really good team sport. I mean, Joey Votto might be the best hitter I've seen in my lifetime. Like just based on what I mean, the dumbest stat ever, like he never popped up to first base. Like that is so asinine. It was an infield. It was like seven. Or or was that two different? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Just, yeah, I know what stat you're talking about. No, it was pretty much like he doesn't pull off the ball. Like that was the stat. Like pretty much like he never pulls off the ball. Like, you mean he never pulls off the ball? No, he never pulls off the ball. That's amazing. And to think that that's a guy can take you deep, can take you backside down the line, can roll over to get it through the hole, can hit a line drive up the middle, or he can go up there and try to dead pull and take you deep. Like there's so many options that he can do. And then he plays those options within the game. Like, okay, I got Eugenio Suarez behind me. He's been hot the last seven games. He's been finding the gaps like crazy. John's up there flipping a lot of burgers today. He's not feeling it. It's 106 in Cincinnati. You know, like the ball's slipping out of his hands. You know, I don't need to go deep here. I just need to get on base so I can have a patient at bat. Eugenio comes up, ties the ball game. You win the game. Like, that's playing the game. And just like John said, like, it, hold on, hold on, hold on. On the flip side, on the flip side of that yeah. exact idea, that's why yes. like having multiple pitches is so important because you have to counter those same ideas, right? Yes. If this guy knows, if this guy knows how to Anthony Rendon hit a back foot cutter 400 feet down the left foot line, why are you throwing it, Kershaw? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, I know yeah. everybody in the world know you were throwing it because you bounced your curveball because you haven't had it since 2016. Hey, don't talk about that about him. Okay, he's he's trying. Okay. Well, apparently he's Rob's a nice help guy. With change up. Apparently, Rob's gonna help with the change up. Keep doing your thing, Clayton. I'm a big fan. Dude, like if Rob can help Clayton, I'm just gonna Rob. If you're watching this right now, Clayton moves like a brick shit house. Okay, <laughs> I want you to make him move better. Okay, that's it. Like, uh, what's the guy's name from Vanderbilt? That guy moves like a gangster. Like, oh, Kumar, like Sunny Gray. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. The guy who just got drafted for the Walker Bueller. That dude oh, moves Bueller. like a G. Man, yeah, that dude moves great. Oh, he's a cheetah for sure. Dude, that guy's great. Like, he's like a Michael Lorenzen. Like, I just look at them, I'm like, fuck you, man. Like, you just got a lot of things going for you. But you know what? We can roll and see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the point of the idea is like, if you, if you have that fear, of not knowing how to deal with adversity and those, again, fear. Fear seems to be the name of the topic today, you know, like anxiety, fear, like I'm afraid of my ankle rotating too soon or I'm afraid of my release point. I'm afraid of effect. Like, it seems like that's where we are. But if you're afraid to play the game because you don't know how to play the game or B-plus stuff, you need to learn. Like, that's one of the biggest lessons any pitcher, and especially for pitchers, like, 
you're going to wake up some days and you just slept on your shoulder. You didn't know. You just woke up and you slept on your shoulder. And now all your tissues compressed. It's going to take you longer to get warmed up. Release point's going to be off. And you got to go out there like a bulldog and own it, right? But if you don't have the physical prerequisites of knowing combinations, how pitching works, how we need to defend uh, the the home field, like the wind's blowing today, you know, straight out towards left field, probably not going to throw a lot of inside fastballs, you know, like there are certain things that you have to play within the game that you don't need to be at 100, dude. You just got to be 100 right here. And that's, uh, and honestly, that's one of my favorite things about what you were talking about, John, like you, you went into a very large Swiss army knife, multi-tool type of uh, pitching logic, like pitch logic, like the idea of like, okay, you took that pitch like this. I'm going to look at you like this. That's the same thing in martial arts. I throw my right hand like this. You dodged it a certain way. I'm going to throw it a different way. It's just crazy. You do this. I do that forever. Exactly. Exactly. Dude. I had a long conversation about how baseball is jujitsu, man. Oh, like you get bro. a guy on first Damn. base. Let's go. That's all it is. Let's do it. You get a guy on first Alex, base. Alex, when are we when when do I get to throw with you? Because like my favorite thing in the world is assassinating hitters. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love that. That is my favorite thing ever. Like I love taking like a dude that's like a banger, like you know, a dude that can take you deep. He loves hitting fastballs. And I love making that guy walk back to the dugout, dragging his back. Yep. Like there's something about that that makes me happy and tingly on the inside that nothing else has really done before. Like there is something about maybe it's the idea that it's like a teamwork against one guy. But it's making them do something they don't want to do. That's to me. That's it. That's it. It's like, whether you it's wanted like, to swing and you couldn't or you you didn't want to swing and you did. Right. It's like, damn it. I pushed the wrong button. Yes. It's a control. It's like. It's unforced errors. It's yeah. unforced errors. I am commit unforced <laughs> errors. McEnroe, dude. Like there are so like sports are all the same. You know what yeah. I mean? Like for it's sure. All I, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So I wanna. I man. I've been asked. Remember, I said archetype <laughs> breathe, a long breathe. time ago. Guys Congratulations, by the way. We're at uh, two hours, by the way. Yeah, this is the longest one oh, I've ever done. Awesome. I gotta head out in a little bit. I yeah, for sure. Cass, why don't you? Okay. Yeah. Well, this is this is where we'll leave off. The next time we have a conversation, we should talk about how Jordan Peterson talks about sports because he has some very very. Uh, by the way. Oh it's, yeah, it's baby. Your. I think it's just his his. I think it's on aim. I think it's literally called like. Um, you know, get your aim. It's like episode 38 or somewhere in that vein of, uh, or in that, in that area. Um, but talk about sports. And then I, I actually don't even know how to have this conversation yet, which is literally why I was going to ask you. Um, but like, I'm pretty sure what I have been trying, like struggling with is that sports are so archetypical, archetypal, archetypical, archetypal. archetypal? Anyway, in the, so in that, like, Everything is tomorrow. actually movement is movement is so cultural, biological, like everything that, you know, the fact that we're not taking those things into consideration is well, first off obvious that we're not. And then like terrifying that we're not also at the same time. Right. And that um, it's hard for me. You talked about simplifying everything just because it's not a part of the game, like not, you know, not, not, it's not trained. It's not, people aren't conscious, like, you know, you would in other parts of the game. Right. And, and how do we 
how do I say this in a way that even like, you know, the heck I'm talking about. So basically everything is life, right? Movement is life. Everything is life. And then how do we get away with um, not making it sound so abstract for an eight-year-old, you know, and, and that's really what it is. is uh, that's kind of where we've gotten the behavior down. We've gotten a good job of like, okay, if we allow kids to behave this way, when they train with us, they're going to probably throw the ball really, really well, you know? And, but then at the same time, what's missing is those inputs, right? Of getting the kid that walks into our facility who does have a ton of anxiety or doesn't have a lot of confidence or how, whatever his deficiency is emotionally, right? Um, like how do we amp that up? Because as soon as we get that out of the way um, or get them to know how to manage those things, it's literally a completely different game. We can now play the game. The three of us mm -hmm. get to play a game because where we're at cognitively, right? And kids can't like consciously put themselves in these things. Like this is what probably, especially men, right? We, we it takes us forever. Um, I use, I, I remember vividly at 25 having just like a light bulb go off where I'm like, oh, wow, I just became more rational. That's weird. I didn't mm -hmm. do anything. And then you also have the, you know, me moving to California and, and just like uprooting my entire life and restarting everything that did something com to me completely different, you know, and that yeah. those two things, you know, just that's the, isn't that like the whole metaphor, like of life, like go mm. out first off, you have to like actually grow up. Okay. There's no avoiding that. You're going to have to physically grow up and you have to know how to, you know, do that. And then you have to figure out, like, go out into the great wide world. Um, yeah. Dude, movement I, is life. Life is I, I got to share this because I haven't thought about this in forever. My dad read me a book called Slappy. And it was a duck who wanted to be a person. A person. And he couldn't talk because he was a duck. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just this, like, at, as a two to four-year-old, hearing this story over and over and over again you know, um, you want to hear those things. And that's, that's basically what it is, is like Peterson is just talking about like your humanness craves something. And if you're not in touch with that, um, you're really, really missing out. So that's a big thing. And the last thing that I want to, I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of people and then I'll finish what I'll say. Um, Jim Nazo, if you're a trainer out there or a baseball guy looking for like really good movement, they have, Excellent trainers, Jim Nazo, G-Y-M-N-A-Z-O, probably my, my favorite big box gym right now. And if you are looking to follow me, Nama Strength Athletics, N-A-M-A-S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H, uh, -E Athletics. Um, I want to say thank you to you guys. You guys are, are awesome. I always enjoy these conversations. Even at 8.30 in the morning, dude, Like this, I couldn't imagine a, a better way to start my day. This is like a good little breakfast club. I'm jacked. Um, to to talk about what you said to end it um there's a lot of uh behaviors that you exhibit when things get hard and i think that sports and movement when things get hard is synonymous with how you deal with life when it gets hard um you can't always depend on hey i hope this song is really good during this workout because it's a really hard portion of the circuit or you know like or i hope so and so is coming to watch me play because you know what? Sometimes there ain't no music in the background. There ain't nobody watching you. It's just you and life. And you got to deal with that. Like some of the things that baseball taught me was really being resilient. Um, I lost my mom my junior year of college. And I was in between schools. Just came from a really bad school. 
I had nowhere to go. I had a terrible year after having a phenomenal year and I was coming off an injury. So I was like, dude, my career is over. I went from a D1 prospect to a high level D2 guy having a scholarship to, I don't know where I'm going next year. My lumbar is kind of fucked and I don't know what I'm going to do. And you learn who you are. Like when you go into sports, what did I do? I walked every day, like two miles to the local baseball field with a bag of balls and a bat and a tee. And I hit, got an opportunity to go somewhere else, ended up playing pro ball. You know, you have, you have a choice. You constantly have a choice. Do you choose to be stuck in where you are and just assume that you are a victim role and just assume that everything is, everyone else is holding the dice and you are not, or you can get up, grab a pair of dice yourself and roll those motherfuckers. But if you're not willing to do that, you're going to be scared. And life's super scary, dude. When I sent a video out of me hitting batting practice and blocking balls on video with no game film towards a bunch of coaches, I had no idea what was going to happen. Right? And I just came from a school that paid my whole tuition. You know? Like, they were they were basic. I had academic and athletic. I wasn't paying a dime to go to that school. And I lost that. Right? That's what a lot of kids want. And for me to be at that position and still say, no, I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to roll it. Good happens, man. I met some of the best friends of my life. I ended up going to driveline after that driveline brought me to pro ball pro ball, bought me into MMA MMA brought me back into baseball and then look where I am now, you know, like, so if you are out there and you are dealing or, you know, somebody that's dealing with adversity, Dude, the sun is going to shine. Remember, it always gets darkest before the dawn. That's one of my favorite quotes ever. But it's true. Like, especially in movement. Like, and I mean that in sports. Like, sports, there are going to be days where you're going to get trampled. You're going to hang a slider and lose the game. You're going to strike out looking to end the game. You're going to drop the pass in the end zone. Like, all those things are going to happen. It's how you come back after that. And if it is your last game, if it is your final opportunity, go out there and play that way. Go out there and live that way. But if you're out there and you're just operating within the realm of whatever it is and you're just like, ah, whatever, I'm telling you that life is a lot better when you decide that you're going to be a powerful person. So to anybody out there, my idea of moving is to make you feel like a powerful concrete crushing every time you step on the ground. So if your training's not making you feel like that's possible, maybe you need to revisit what you're doing. Woof. Yeah. Woof. My favorite is in the darkest nights come the brightest lights. That's one of it's mine. True. It's true. It always gets better before it gets, or it always gets worse before it gets better, man. Like it will always get worse before it gets better you're never gonna have an easy transition in anything dude i am i am a uh parenting right now my girlfriend's kids dude i am learning every single day about these boys and i love them i think that they're phenomenal but it blows my mind how often my own perceptions just get thrown out because i'm trying to you know think of like i'm not supposed to be here i'm 26 i shouldn't be that but then when i just think about it i'm like dude you have the opportunity to be a young person to raise kids. That's cool because you're young. There's, there's an interesting standpoint to that. So I think just learning how to be a parent, dude, it, it sucks sometimes. Like there's some times where I'm like, man,
man, this is really hard, dude. This is like, wow, I'd much rather be fighting somebody or like in a baseball game right now. It's just, but then it gets better and you're like, wow, that's cool, man. So that's it. That's, that's where I am today. Happy Friday, guys. I love both of you guys. I think you guys are fucking rad. Love you too, man. This is this has been really fun. I can't wait to play catch with you one day in the future. You know? Hell yeah, dude. I'm going down to San Diego to get WEC method qualified. So when yeah, that we'll, happens, we'll go I live. Yeah, we'll, oh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll set up some live 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 ABs. Let's get weird. Let's go. I'm gonna have to start <laughs> swinging again because I'm gonna get gassed up for a while. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'll slow I you down. Catching, Maybe I slow I you down. Catching, you know, I could get out of bed right now and just go block all day long and catch. No we don't, problem. We, that ain't, that blocking. Ain't trip, what's what's that? <laughs> oh man, it's this thing that we gotta do when pitchers try to spike their fastballs. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta body it up. Another PSA but, to our listeners: Do yes. not block fastballs. Don't do that. That's not your problem. Fucking That's the pitcher's problem. That's the pitcher's problem. Catchers do not block fastballs. I heard a dad say that, and he's like, he's got to get there and block it. I was like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? He's going to break his forearm. What, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> he's throwing a rock 90 miles an hour. You think that's going to be gentle? Like, come on, bro. Get out of here. Uh, anyway. Thank you, guys. I got to get Appreciate going. Appreciate it. Sounds breakfast. good. I love you guys. Thank you again. Cutter Nation. Appreciate it, brother. Thank Talk you. to you soon, all right? Later, bro.